Hello and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marchiafava hey. and Kyle Hilliard. Hi. What's this order? What the hell? I'm shaking it up for a surprise <laughs> twist cereal? at the very end. Cereal, uh, God bless his heart, he had other work to do, which helps because we have an open slot and it's filled by the one, the only... Me, JV Gwalt, there, everybody. Thanks, Serial. You're a good man, but a lousy Highlander. So uh, it's refreshing to now. hear those dulcet tones, man. Because mm. I'm guessing a lot of people watching and listening to this did not tune in to Extra Life, so they haven't heard from you in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe they listened to your interview on the 1099 podcast, which which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah, I did that. You did that. <laughs> I did an episode that's going to be coming out, uh, I think, on the 25th or did something you talk to like Joseph that. Joseph or Josiah? Uh, Joseph. I talked to Josiah last year but it was mainly just about dragon ball so with joseph now it was more about like founding minmax and stuff but good to hear your voice sir yeah do you miss microphones yes i do i have missed this i was actually when you extended the offer i've spent the last what was it two days super excited especially as i've played more of the games we're going to be talking about yeah Yeah. oh good uh what are you doing now uh i work with tara bruno pr as a publicist and what that basically means is that i work with our clients as a pr person for like private division and stuff so i'm pr on like the outer worlds and disintegration and some other stuff yeah uh eye-opening or about what you expected? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, a little bit of both, but there it's mostly what I expected, but there are some eye-opening uh, things that uh, I didn't... It, it definitely made me feel a little embarrassed and sheepish about uh, some moments when I worked, you know, as a journalist, like, waiting to hear back from PR people. It's yeah. like, you know, you're tapping your feet, kind of like Sonic, uh, going, <laughs> why are they getting back to me? Uh, this jerk, and so on and so forth. And then you realize, oh, it has to go through, like, several departments before you can actually get an accurate answer. Right. You know, that sort of thing. So just minor stuff like that. Do you feel like being on that side of the fence, and you are on the warring side of the fence compared mm-hmm. to MinMax, although I'm always confused. Uh, yeah, but fine <laughs> being on that side of the fence... I feel like a lot of people at GameFormer had a lot of respect for developers, but do you have more respect for them, or do you feel like you're working more closely with them just in terms of, like, messaging? Do you understand their plight a little bit more? I mean, I feel like because of cover story trips, not necessarily that much more, because we, at GI, we had a rare, you know, sort of privilege to, like, go spend literally days at studios. right. So we got to see that firsthand. So it feels like I'm getting a little more intimacy on, like, what we already had a window into right so you know it's it's a further respect but no new knowledge on that front i guess right do you hey let's dive into this this is the jv interview Mm -hmm. um do you you're a man with strong opinions okay do you worry about being on a podcast while working in pr because it's like "Ah, i might have to bite my tongue every once in a while i know you're not going to come out swinging uh, with some anti-outer worlds messaging but you know you're opinionated dude and it's weird because now the role is almost to not have any opinions will the words garbage come out of your <laughs> mouth at any point uh so no i don't really feel weird uh, about it i don't feel like i as long as i'm very uh upfront about what i do yeah. you know i'm saying like hey uh, you know, if the Outer Worlds comes up, like we've already said, oh, I'm doing PR on it and we talk about it, then at least like, you know, whoever's tuning in it knows about that. And the good news is, yeah, we all like that game and yeah. are doing the I game don't club separate from this. you. Yeah, yes. yeah, it works out well. Um, but no, I haven't really felt, you know, because I, I went back on Twitter recently for job stuff, but have kind of stayed on there just as a way to like talk about gaming stuff a little bit as well, just to have that little outlet. Right. Uh, and I've made it a little bit more positive than the last time I was mm-hmm. on there, but it's typically stuff like, hey, I like this in games. Yeah. You know? It's pretty easy uh, to do that. Yeah. Um so, you know, I don't necessarily feel like I have to be restrained nece- necessarily, I guess. Right, you right. Know? Uh well, congratulations on the new gig. Thanks. And uh things are going well for you. You're staying in Minnesota for a while? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you're welcome by the studio whenever you'd like. Oh, don't say that. I'll be here all the time. Okay. Hey, that's great with us. Uh, but uh, I know you're a sober lad. Yeah. So I got you some champagne in a <laughs> sober form here. <laughs> oh, what is this? Consume. Is this? Uh, oh, it's gummy bears. It's go. This is amazing. Champagne flavored gummy bears. Only the oh. finest. Careful when you open that bag because it will pop out. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll save, it. I'll save it for after the show. Then. No, 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 JV. Oh, you're I have eating to eat it. it on the show. <laughs> I have to eat it on the show. Without cereal here, we need this somebody. Is, yeah. This is the main. Am I reviewing it? Sure. You know what? Why not? We're really going to step on cereal's toes that much. We're not going to have him on the show, and then we're going to take away. You can eat a gummy bear on a podcast without cereal. Cereal's the only one who can tell us what he patented that. Okay, you're right. You can chew on that and give an expression, but you can't. No, no, no expression. Cover the face so we can't see how you feel about that. So wait, wait. You guys want me to grade this or not? Am I? I want you to enjoy it, but I don't want you to communicate your review because that's Serial's territory, and that's really rude of so you to step on it. Unbelievable. <laughs> satisfying this plastic crinkle is. Though. No, no, you cannot. It's Nothing very, of this sort. Okay. You can crinkle it a little, though, mm-hmm. for the ASMR folks. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, this is a Patreon, everybody, if you're watching or listening to this. Uh, Patreon.com slash minmax. Two ends, of course. Uh, you can go there, and if you support us at the $5 level, you get early access to the audio version of this very podcast. I know there's a lot of people watching or listening that don't follow us on Patreon. I'd recommend giving us a little bit of support there. You get access to the Discord. You can leave comments for the Make the Show Better segment, all that fun stuff. So I think it'll be worth your while. And also, uh, I saw a lot of nice comments in the wonderful Discord this morning about, like, geez, these guys are really pumping out a lot of content because we've had a productive week so far. Mm. Um, and they're like, oh, that's really nice of them. The best way to say thanks for pumping out that content is to tell a friend about the Patreon, realistically, mm-hmm. right? Just help spread that word because we have no marketing budget. This is a couple of us in a basement, for Christ's sake. So if you like the content, please tell a friend. We'd appreciate it. Um, and if you're watching the video version of this, we'd always appreciate it. You subscribe to the audio version of the next show, wherever you absorb podcasts, all that fun stuff. Um, let's see. I wrote down as my first note here, Kyle's Red Dead Redemption 2 monitor. <laughs> yeah. You tweeted a out a picture monitor. of playing Red Dead 2. Yeah. On your PC, and it looked like the dumbest monitor I've ever seen in my life. What are you doing with that so, thing? So, a- Ashley bought it a while ago because she had, like, she had, like, I think at the time, like, four monitors. Because she's doing programming and different things, like working in Unity and all kinds of crap. So, she bought this monitor. But the monitor, it's, like, six feet yes, across. No, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. But I'm just saying that there was, like... There was a, a business reason for why she wanted it initially. Okay. It was like a purposeful thing. She wanted more space. But then it turns out it's really hard to like split a monitor like that, like with different desktops. Yeah. So we just kind of like played musical chairs with monitors. I was like, well, I'll take that one. And yeah. like, yeah, I was able, I don't, I think the resolution is like 3000 by 1000, something like that. So yeah, I, it's I, more than that, but yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I played a, the opening of Red Dead on this absurd monitor, which is just like insane. It's just absurd. It's like it, it almost gives you a headache because it's just like too much to take in. But it ran okay? It ran fine. Yeah. Was it cool? It didn't melt your eyeballs? It didn't melt my eyeballs. It's, hmm. it's weird because so when you're playing the game, you get the, the full screen, right? Which is cool. But like when you go into cutscene, it actually like black bars sort of slide in. Oh, and like so the IMAX cut, style. Okay. Yeah, so the cutscenes are 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 not like that. But like playing every game in that, not even just Red Dead, is weird because it's like you basically, it's like a step between playing a game normally in VR, where you still have mm-hmm. like peripheral, but it's it's not so enveloping. Like yeah. it's it's strange. But yeah, you can Red, see the bear sneaking up on you this time. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it is it is cool. I think someone because uh, on that Instagram photo, someone replied uh, referencing um, uh, Hateful Eight. Because it's How like so? because that that had that really wide resolution. Oh, sure. I, was like, oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't think mm. of that, but it is kind of like playing in this like insane 
mostly underutilized like film resolution these yeah. days. Uh, uh, JV, where'd you rank Hateful Eight in the Great Tarantino oh, it's list? The worst one. The worst one. I hate it. I. I hate the hateful eight. Really? Yeah. Hate it is strong. See, there we go. See, he's got his opinions <laughs> yeah. back. All right, he's Jamie. Got, he's got his mojo just back when it comes to hateful eight. Once you move out of video games, it's a whole yeah, new ballgame. Do Duke. you think you would like it if it was like a play? It's just the yep. fact that it's such a weird self-contained film and it feels unnecessary in some ways? Um, Not necessarily. I feel... I just feel like the messaging of that movie and what I took from it is something I'm just so uninterested in like how bleak it is and the way it conveys that bleakness uh-huh. like just laugh like the way that that movie laughs at like how awful the world can be and how awful the way that people can be in it isn't something that's interesting to me or you know even entertaining in the way that something like Reservoir Dogs is sure. or Pulp Fiction like those people suck but they <laughs> suck in interesting ways right like right. the people in this you know movie slash play they're just bad people, and I don't find them interesting. Mm. Sure. Like, I don't even remember any of their names. You're just mad that Kurt Russell broke that guitar, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah That's absolutely. A fun story. Uh, let's see. Uh, this week, Jedi Fallen Order is coming out on Friday. Pokemon's coming out on Friday. Yeah. Uh, we have played neither, but definitely <laughs> on ne- next week's podcast, we'll talk all about it. I'm yeah. really looking forward to playing Pokemon probably more than Jedi Fallen Order. I assume you're the opposite, Kyle. Yeah, I'm more excited for Jedi. I'm yeah. not, that's not to say I'm not excited for Pokemon. Um, going on a trip, so I'm, I was thinking maybe I might grab it like Friday morning before I get on the plane. Yeah, and play it. You can ignore smart. your family the entire trip. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Ideal. Uh, <laughs> JV, list your favorite game franchises of all time, starting with number one, Mass Effect Two. Great. What a segue. I don't know why I said Mass Effect 2 is like a franchise. Mass Effect 2 should be the franchise. They should make the game that's just Mass Effect 2 2. It's us still being, at least I still get mad about this. When we did our individual editor top tens at Game Informer, Joe Juba put the Mass Effect trilogy as one entry. And I... I, apparently, Ooh. I was not in the office the day that it was getting proved. But I would have, I would have raised hell over that. F- I would. Yeah. <laughs> I get so mad. You guys know how mad I get. But uh-huh. that still bugs me that he got away with that. It is so, definitely the so coward's way out. There's so no doubt about it. You saying Mass Effect Two specifically is is our. He's going of, the opposite route. Exactly. Fr- forget franchises. Get... <laughs> I'm drilling down. Yeah. On a similar note, I always get frustrated when people refuse to admit that the two is the best one. It's, yeah. It's, mm, I will. Okay. Here's what about this qualifier. I'll say two, yeah, sure, probably the best, but not my favorite, right? I have a soft spot in my heart for one. I enjoy one more. Okay. But overall, you can't really argue that it's better than two as a game. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Especially if you play them today. But you want one? Yeah. Drink it with the, eat one with the bubbly. It makes it okay. Okay. Makes it okay. No, 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 no. You got to chew it first. Chew it and then drink it. This is good. This is yeah. good podcasting. <laughs> uh, what were we talking Don't about? Don't say about Mass Effect. Talking about Mass Effect. So yeah. uh, last week was N Seven Day. I don't know where that champagne bear went. <laughs> um, good God! Look so, out! It's behind you, Kyle. It's a real champagne problem. Hmm. Good <laughs> so, joke. Good. 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 Last no, week you don't was have to N Seven Day, right? The great celebratory day for all things Mass Effect. Um, all the Bioware employees come out and say if they see their shadow, it's four more years of development. Um, but I think it was it was interesting just to have this spike almost annually, and then it seemed like this year, in particular, it really got a lot of Mass Effect fans' hopes up because Casey Hudson, uh, the Lord and Savior of their Bioware, creative director for the original games, um, he tweeted out some concept art uh, from Mass Effect showing the Normandy, I believe. 
and he new says, concept art, or is, uh, that, or is that the debate? That's a little bit that debate. Okay. So here's what he says. These are these are like all of his tweets together. He says, "Happy on Seven Day." We've been thinking a lot about where we've been in the Mass Effect universe and where we want to go next. We have so many ideas for things we want to do in Mass Effect. So much concept art that hasn't been yet brought to life. And so many stories yet to tell. And then he shows some pictures. like, oh, here's a forest environment. Here's like a city environment. And kind of Normandy flying by. What was your take on that, JV? Um, you know, I feel like so much of the potential, like what people love about Mass Effect is mostly centered on like characters and Andromeda lacked a lot of that for me. At mm-hmm. least that's what I love and that's what people who I talk to who love Mass Effect love about it. And I feel like Andromeda was like the test of whether or not they could continue like capturing that mm-hmm. and it just failed and hard. We know it well <laughs> because we did the game club on Mass Effect and We marathoned that game. And we talked Ooh. a lot about those characters. And there were little cute moments with those characters. It's not yeah, like that game moments. was horrific. But there were moments shining through like, okay, here's some good Bioware charm in there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I still land on the page that I wouldn't trust modern Bioware with Mass Effect. You'd want to have it yanked Yeah, because it's just, you know, uh, I wasn't really, I know people love Dragon Age Inquisition, but, you know, sort of that sort of embracing open world stuff that uh, started with DA- DAI mm-hmm. and then we saw that in Andromeda. Uh, I'm not really into that. No. You know, and, and I'm also of the mind that things don't need to continue for the sake of continuing, right? Like if you don't have somewhere cool to take Mass Effect, don't don't take it. Just like let a it whole lie. new galaxy. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Okay, where would you want it? Okay, let's say Bioware is switch. making... That's where I want it. The original you just trilogy, want the trilogy. Yeah. Uh, over a new Mass Effect. Yeah. You would take oh, absolutely. <laughs> wow. I hmm. would absolutely do that. Jeff, are you with him? Uh, well, you know, it gets into like how realistic we are of what a new Mass Effect would be. Right. Ideally, if they could capture that magic again, then yeah, I would want a new Mass Effect. But mm-hmm. after... Uh, Andromeda. Andromeda and Anthem. Anthem. Yeah, it's kind of like... <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what Bioware is anymore at this point to some extent. They're in a tough spot because it's like, you know, you say like, oh, I wouldn't want Bioware to make it. I bet the biggest Mass Effect fans in the world are in Edmonton in that Bioware office, right? Like, yep. obviously, Casey Hudson loves this. It's his baby, you know? Mm-hmm. He loves it more than he loves his racing cars, whatever the hell else he's into, right? Uh, but it's just that idea of not knowing what it's going to be. And maybe they have absorbed a lesson of going... From going too big with Andromeda, like having all of those open worlds, it was just so blah, so well, yeah, unnecessary. And, and then and it, the attempt to do a live service kind of like right. changing what the model is and having that try and fuel into a different into a game that doesn't really, you know, grab that kind of idea. But don't you think they're under that obligation just because of EA? Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's why I'm worried, you know, right. like, is EA going to say, oh, no, OK, go back to the old way of doing games that isn't going to make as much money, theoretically, mm-hmm. as other EA live service games? But you, you look know? at like, I'm sure they made a boatload for Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. If they're only interested in that financial aspect, they can silo out some stuff that can nickel and dime certain customers if EA is really interested in that. right? Or is EA going to look at it and say, well, we didn't get the destiny formula right this time but mm-hmm. try it again until you do it i cannot imagine ea the lesson from anthem being let's take another shot at this <laughs> with another ip i mean the fact that like ea has pretended that anthem doesn't exist for like the past year like every e3 press conference every press release every like 
earnings call anthem just isn't there right like they right. refuse to acknowledge that it is a thing and it's like this quiet agreement it seems that like oh bioware austin's gonna kind of put out some fires on this one i'm sure they'll try and come up with their soft reboot and have like you know a year from now or whatever like the big re-reveal of ooh, it's gonna be you know realm reborn for anthem or the equivalent mm. who knows how successful that'll be it's in such a weird spot or overall. do they just say that anthem as a franchise is torched and now let's do it with mass effect because we know mass effect is popular like, do they tr do they double down on that kind of idea? Of I don't doing think so. A live service. I don't thing? think so. And my greatest hope is uh, coming from the Andromeda trip, where myself and Jujuba went up to Bioware uh, Edmonton. It was like my third time there, fourth time to Bioware overall, I guess, which is crazy. But like, so we were on that trip, and it was interesting. At some point, we asked. Uh, Casey Hudson and also Mark Dara, who's mainly the Dragon Age producer, but he came in to produce Anthem towards the end there. Um, and both of them were saying how interested Bioware was in creating smaller games, like smaller, more experimental games. And they used like Rockstar's table tennis as an example. And that just gets me so excited about the idea of maybe they will, they will make just a smaller, self-contained Single player, you know, maybe they'll experiment with co-op or something just to have some hook, but more self-contained little Mass Effect experience. Because people don't talk about this, but Mac Walters, remember when the internet loved him and then hated him, and you know, the Mass Effect Andromeda creative director? He has been silent since uh, the launch of Anthem. Or, I'm sorry, the launch of, launch of Andromeda. Like, he went back to Bioware Edmonton, and he's been quietly working there for years and years on something. He's officially titled, like, the Mass Effect series creative director you know so he's probably still on mass effect something and so i hope that what he's cooking up with a small team is just a smaller self-contained little mass effect experience that that to me kind of seems like even a harder sell though of yeah. like because people people still have this idea of what mass effect is and so maybe andromeda didn't fit that mold but saying okay now we're going to go even smaller you know and like a little more experimental and trying to do like a table tennis, you know, obviously that's a, that is a very weird <laughs> just example. Like tennis but, with Garrus. Yeah, Why not? But kind of shrinking it down into something like I think people are still going to expect, well, OK, it's going to be 40 hours. We're going to go to all these different planets like you're going to need hundreds of people on the team to still make that game. You well, know? not to kiss JV's ass. Uh, I know you didn't work on the game directly, but like Outer Worlds, I think that had such a positive oh, reaction game. if they said we're going to. I don't know. This would be bizarre if they said this. We're going to make something in the vein of an Outer Worlds, just a self-contained little kind of throwback to Mass Effect 1, I feel like it would be nothing but goodwill for that message. I mean, but I I don't feel like Outer Worlds is like a small game. I mean, I know no, that was... No, it's not at all. You no. know, like, I feel like that was a... Ended up, it feels like a big, huge game. Like, mm -hmm. a, a Mass Effect on that scale would feel like a new Mass Effect to me. You know right. what I mean? It wouldn't feel like a small game. Right. You just don't need the scope of a Mass Effect Andromeda for this whole thing to be a success, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember years ago, Casey Hudson saying that a game he really wanted to make was just a detective on the Citadel just going around and solving little stories. And like, you know, he said that publicly. So the odds of them actually doing that, I'd imagine, are pretty low. But like that is the scope that I would really love for just a little side yeah. adventure. Put on yeah, like back when Telltale was still around and they were, you know, they were, they were, they, it was their good run. I kept thinking, man, I'd kill for like, Episodic stuff on the Citadel mm. or something like mm -hmm. you're like playing, you, yeah, like a, approach. Yeah, yeah, like you play a Turian detective or something. Like I'd love that. I'd play that, but you know, I don't think that that would be 
financially viable. Yeah. Making, Why a, not? making a game for JV. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the rule we all learned at Game Informer. If JV loves it, this game is not going to do It's a Titanfall 2 rule. Mm. Yeah. Wait, I don't understand why that wouldn't be financially viable. They spend three years developing this smaller game. Mm -hmm. It'll sell 10 million copies at least, right? I don't think it would be financially viable for EA. I think they want massive hits, right? Yeah. They don't right. want... Which is like it's not Disney, enough to Disney be profitable. Approach now, you know. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, I feel like for EA so much, I think you're always going to compare it to like their sports franchises, and right. their sports franchises make so much money not just because they're annual installments, but because they have you know the, like the card trading aspect of it, which also mm -hmm. does bring in such a revenue stream for microtransactions too. That I'm sure like. Any sane person in that company would look at it and say, like, why can't all our games, you know, figure out how to do this in their own niche? Well, why couldn't they look at something like their little cute indie initiative of having something yep. like Unravel? Mm -hmm. Why not take a talented studio like Bioware, carve out 10% of that studio, have them make something in that vein? It's not Because impossible. then you've only got 90% working on Dragon Age. Right. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think they want to hit those big... I, I guess, like, the one shining counterexample in all of this is Jedi Fallen Order? Of course, right? yeah. Because that is that is a smaller single-player thing where they're saying, okay, like, this is what fans want, right? We're not going to screw it up. We're going to let them We're gonna let them make the, the game that they want to make and that fans seem to want to make and not, you know, meddle too much. We'll see how it's received. But, yeah, that was always the most frustrating part about seeing the reaction towards Jedi Fallen Order was people saying, like, we wanted Amy Hennig's game. It's like, what? What what do you think this is? Like I know it's not exactly that it's game, Dick but like, Asmussen's game, and he's also very good. <laughs> but he's also like it's taking some cues from Uncharted. It's a nice single player game yeah. with no microtransactions. Like if yeah. we don't celebrate this, we are effed. You know? I, I feel like Respawn's also in a in a better position than Bioware ever would be, though, because I feel like they're yeah. the first developer under EA that's ever said no, screw EA. On to the press on right. multiple occasions because of how well Apex did. Yeah. But in a subtle way, right? Where I remember it was the launch of Apex and they get out there with the messaging of like, we needed to launch this day one because we'd be screwed with the messaging because it's an EA game that's free yeah. to play. And they so we couldn't survive it. They told us not I to do I was there when they did that. I was shocked. Yeah. Because there were EA people in the room when they mm. said that. And it was, it just blew my mind. Yeah, did they scowl or huh? anything? No, they. I mean, it was a dark theater, so I couldn't really see. <laughs> what about their glowing evil eyes? <laughs> did they scowl at all there? It was very strange. Very um, odd. Um, so the bizarre thing about this N7 day was so many Bioware employees getting out there and tweeting, including Mac Walters, uh, who had not tweeted since the launch of Andromeda. Like <laughs> One of his last tweets was like, the update of like, look, we're receiving your criticism and we're going to stick to Andromeda and make it better, you know? And I'm going to put my head down for three years. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably a good move. I'm sure it helped him a yeah, lot. You know what yeah. it's like, JV, to divorce yourself from Twitter for a while? Yeah, so no, it can it's, help. It's, it's very good. Yeah, Thrive sure. in exile. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now for him to get back out there and say, hey, we want to tell new stories of Mass Effect. And he also did an Ars Technica video about just like the greatest unresolved mysteries in Mass oh, Effect. Yeah. So it's interesting to like hmm. have them start to ramp up the messaging and get Mac Walters back out there again. But Bioware's known for this. I feel like they've been teasing Dragon Age 4 for um, 47 years at this point. So I don't want fans to get their expectations up. Because realistically, it'll probably be... God, if they're going all in on Dragon Age 4 
at this point. It's like a decade, right? A little <laughs> uh, like set seven, eight years before that thing exists and is playable in our hands. If it is on the way for which one, Dragon Age, Mass Effect. Oh, Mass Effect. Yeah, Probably next, unless yeah. they're going that smaller route, right? Because what else has Mac Walters been doing? Like I heard that he was helping out a little bit here and there in Anthem, but. I know he's not making the game by himself, but he must be coming up with some ideas in there, right? Yeah. In that little office of his. The biggest bummer about this year's In Seven Day, and this might be a little bit mean, was uh, you know not getting a Switch announcement, but saying that they were putting Mass Effect skins in Anthem mm. to celebrate the day. <laughs> that was like the real kicker, man. Right. And they made it so that you can do like squint the, enough. You might be have some fun. Yeah, you can do the shepherd dance uh, in anthem as an emote now. Like, yeah. hey, there we go. There's something. It, they're in such you'll a bizarre spot. You'll take it. Spot. And you'll like it. <laughs> yeah. I expected nothing, and still. <laughs> JV, I will give you another champagne bear. Okay. If you can tell me the name of the spaceship in Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh God, I don't even. The SS Rider? I I, that was the protagonist. Ah, right? The SS Rider. You got it, man. Where to go? Where to go? Killing it. Um, JB, I was really tickled the other day when I saw you tweet. Wait, about, what was the answer? Yeah. Oh, the Tempest, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. The Tempest. Yeah. What about the vehicle? Oh, that's the Nomad. There we go. Way yeah. to go. Why do you remember that one? Because it's just dumb enough to be remembered. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's, it's not quite as dumb as Mako, but, you know, there. I went back and I watched our rapid fire interview with Mac Walters that uh, Joe Juba did with Game Informer, and it really made me laugh. I think it might have been my joke, but it made me laugh again when Joe asked if he considered Mass Effect Andromeda a Mako or Breako moment for oh, the series. No, I forgot about that. <laughs> Just good, timeless comedy. But anyway, JV, it, it tickled my heart when I saw you tweeting about how much you liked Death Stranding. Yeah. How far are you now? I'm not to chapter three yet. But oh I'm wow! Like, like twelve hours in. Okay, I think one of the main pieces of advice from Serial last week was don't waste all your time in a hinterland style yeah, way. Get out of the hinterlands. Yeah, exactly. Getting stuck in chapter two, but you're just savoring it. You, yeah, it's really weird because I've heard that a lot. Like, oh, the game really amps up and kicks up when you get out of chapter two and blah blah blah. And it's like, no, I've been having fun. I have not had a single moment where I've been frustrated or dull. Or if it was. Like, I felt challenged, but not frustrated or, like, you know, in a, in a tense situation in the game. But I've never been bored. I've not never... bored and having fun are two things that I rarely hear about Death Stranding. So this is really interesting to me. <laughs> do, do you have the motorcycle yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like that's a line to cross, too, of, like, oh, this is... Not, I'm kind of with you. Like, I've been enjoying Death Stranding, but yeah. I feel like getting the motorcycle and stuff that happens in Chapter 3, which I would encourage you to get there because it's so <laughs> good. Like, okay. those two lines to me are, like, when the game... Uh, starts feeling better quickly. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, there's just something about it. I feel like I'm walking around in the world, like Prometheus, like I'm walking around in that alien world, right. like just like the gray landscapes and the overcast sky, and I love it. And I love sort of like the New Zealand-looking territory where you're just, I, I, there's something about it that's just very relaxing about cutting through that territory. Yeah, well, uh, I'm and, really, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to maybe more than anything on planet Earth are the GDC talks from next year, especially if Koji Pro employees go, like the environment designers, the art team, just creating that level of variety. I would love to hear how they did that in a relatively short period of time like that. Yeah, yeah, because this game, I mean, relatively, it hasn't been in development long. No, like right? three years. Yeah. For a whole new engine, whole new IP, that's insane. Yeah, no, but I mean, I've, I'm loving it so far. It'll probably, unless something catastrophic happens uh which i guess it could if this game's like 30 or 40 hours or whatever I, yeah you know it'll probably be on top three or four for the oh, year oh wow uh yeah. jeff from your planet too yeah and kyle yeah uh, i'm only a couple hours in at this point how far are you guys 
I've, I'm in chapter three. I've done like the first couple deliveries after chapter three starts. Yeah, and I'm right about to start chapter three. Okay. And what's your temperature on it? I like it. I think, JV, you had a tweet that I, which is now I feel like there was, before, when the reviews came out before the game came out, it was a lot of love or hate, right? Mm. But now, now that everyone has their hands on it, we're kind of approaching that point where I'm seeing a lot of people say they have the opinion. I I understand why people aren't into this game. I understand why people are turned off to this, but I'm really enjoying it. Mm. That's that's where I'm at, exactly. Mm. Like, I play it, and I'm like, I'm really, I want to explore this world. I like being here. It feels like a weird Kojima game. It's super strange. I love just the sort of, like, too much explanation about everything. Like, they take the time, <laughs> like, uh, to, ex- like, things that you take for granted in video games, like mechanics, like... Death Stranding has explanations for why they exist the way they do, and it usually involves like an eight-minute cutscene explaining it to you. Mm. And I, I, when it's well done in the way that Kojima does it, like I enjoy it and I really like it. But at the same time, I totally understand why people would be frustrated by this game yeah. because it is walking and listening to good music, and that's essentially like a huge portion of the game. Yeah, and you like know? you're yeah. taking care of your equipment and stuff and I could totally see why someone would find that boring. Yeah. But I'm just not that person. I could see someone being like, I gotta change my boots? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's and I have to carry like two extra pairs of boots <laughs> yes. as I'm going around I and also like f- deciding where I'm going to put them on my I, body. I also feel like failure is funny in the game yeah, too. Yeah. Like it helps that whenever I drop a bunch of my crap, I'm just like, oh no. Oh well. It pick really, it up. It made me laugh so much <laughs> in the beginning too when they're like, Sam, you're the best at what you do. You're the best transporter in the biz. And then they show you play for the first time. Like, just falling and slipping uh, all over the place, including with like corpses on your back. It's just like falling down a mountain. That, it's like, oh, what is It's happened? very slapstick in a way that games usually aren't. <laughs> right. That right. only like, I, I, I felt that way a lot with like Metal Gear Solid, especially playing the original PlayStation 1 version. They're like, my God, you're the legendary soldier. And I was like, I don't know. I just kind of like walked around a corner. <laughs> like, I'm not doing anything here. And I told, and it only gets your sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like your reputation only yeah. grows as you go deeper and deeper into the game. And I'm at the point now where people are like, "Sam's here, you guys. The, the legendary delivery man. He <laughs> he's here. He's gonna save us." And I'm just like, in that Norman Reedus grunt, he's like, "Eh, yeah, I just kind of walked here. Just don't touch me." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I also really like the social structure of like you know players building into this world, like building structures in this world together in that sort of ghostly Dark Souls journey way. I yeah. think it's the first game I've played since both those games that takes that conceit forward yeah. in an interesting way and isn't just like, here's this bullshit again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's know? Dark Soulsy but more helpful. Yeah. When you're when you're like trapped in an area with a bunch of BTs and you don't have, you know, the piece of equipment you need and then it's like, oh, someone put a ladder there, like, thank God. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, whatever that sound is so <laughs> weird. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had a bridge like out of nowhere save me like I turned really? a corner while you know that surf that surf that surf that wave of like hands coming mm-hmm. after me and saw a bridge and just ran up on it yeah and they can't go on there I guess but mm-hmm. it was it's those moments right yeah. of just having it you really feel like that savior's hand it's a, there's yeah. a commu- there's a genuine communal thing I mean I know it's kind of playing into Kojima's like rope and the stick game and, that, and it's yeah. like but it it does. It feels like everyone's working together to make that that sort of environment easier it, to navigate. It, feel, it feels like also because there was a very smaller, similar version of that in Metal Gear Five, right, with the nukes thing of like trying oh, to get everyone sure. to like turn off their nukes, but no one would. But then didn't they hack it on PC or yeah, something? Yeah, they just really hacked quick? it on yeah, PC yeah, and got yeah. to the ending, right? But it, it definitely feels like 
an iteration of that, like a massive iteration of that idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think just in terms of perception, the first couple hours, I've heard so much debate about people about this game, and I'm sure I'll have evolving thoughts, but like first couple hours, I'm like, this is awesome. This is so much better <laughs> really? than I was anticipating. I, right, I thought you would be not, I thought you wouldn't like it, honestly. I, you just have to give it up for, again, a pretty short development time and just having a world this distinct, that flavor is so distinct, the art yeah. direction is unbelievable, tech is unbelievable. But just to have like such a bold, centralized vision for something in the industry, it's like, hey, this didn't have to exist, everybody. Yeah. This is amazing that they pulled yeah, this th- off. This has a multi-million dollar budget is insane. Yes. Mm-hmm. like Boy, I- those employees uh, really did a great job over there. Because, yeah, the team isn't that big. It's just mind-blowing that they're able to turn this around. And it looks so good on a base-level PS4. It's stunning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, a lot of cutscenes at the beginning. There's there's no doubt about it. But, yeah. Oh, there's and, more of those. I oh, really? Interesting. Around. Yeah. There's plenty of absurd thing, but but I think when you drill it down to me, like the two big experiences that it seems to be built around besides the community angle is like the stress and relief of sneaking your way around BTs, mm-hmm. right? And then and then like also the relief of when you're finishing a long journey through a place and you're like kind of on that home stretch, which is when a new song always kicks in uh-huh. as you're kind of going down. Like It reminds me, very, yeah, I mean, it's it's like the Mexico thing. Yeah, right? the Red From Dead. Red Dead. Yeah. It yeah. is weird that, you know, the two biggest fans of the Mexico thing in Red Dead are Rockstar for Redemption 2, where they just keep playing new songs and it's good. And then also Kojima with mm-hmm. Dance was like, ah, when you're traveling by yourself, if you hear a beautiful song, there's no better way to absorb music in a game. Yeah. You know? I, I think... You know, I understand a lot of people getting bored by, like, having to walk through sort of that vast landscape. But at the same time, when you're really getting into it and you're relaxing and then uh, BB goes off and your little buddy on your shoulder, the robot thing, you know, starts doing his thing. (laughs) His thing. It's really tense. Mm -hmm. Like, I haven't felt that tense. I haven't felt as tense with an enemy type uh, since, like, Clickers. Of like, because you know it's just so mysterious. Of like, well, where are they? And you can't really see them until you like pulse, and they're right there. Right. You know, and I don't even know what they are. That's the fun thing. At least in the beginning, is just trying to figure out like, okay, they have the hand footprints. That's really cool. When it's on the wall, I'm like, what are they doing? Are they just like walking on the wall? Like, I just want to know exactly what's going on there. I want to know what they see. Maybe they're equally scared of what's going on but from their vantage point they're interacting with a world they can't quite understand like i want to know everything about those silly bts also the idea of time fall is really cool <laughs> like that's such an awesome take on like acid rain right so it's rain that ages you quickly but they're all pretty cavalier about it like it's raining death rain they're like i'll put a little uh, jacket on i'm not yeah, gonna cover my, my, face my nylon coat right. it'll be fine but even then you know, he's like wiping tears away and he's like, his hands are covered in the rain. Like, look out, you idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a super fun idea for sure. Mm-hmm. And also, oh. By the way, d- does rainfall, if it collects, like, is that just like a bucket of like scary water that you can't interact with? I mean, Apparently are there rivers and stuff? Yeah. Like, well, why aren't, does it, it seems like it doesn't affect plants, which is oh, shocking. No, it, it, it does. does. Yeah, because does. you can see them like growing and they dying. They sprout and, growing and, and then dying. they die. Oh, I yeah. thought that was just yeah. when BTs are near them, that no. in the cutscenes at least. Okay, so it's everything? Rain. Yeah. yeah. Oh, weird. So like bacteria and stuff? Yeah, I Like guess so. everything is just yeah. aged quickly? Sure. Who knows? <laughs> like, it, this definitely feels like it's also a game of 
it's not surprising for for Kojima, I guess, but a game that's made of small details. Like yeah. I just really love that you can see your uh, cargo containers literally melting in the rain. Yeah, and, like the sparks flying off of them and they're rusting and stuff. That's so cool. One of my one of my favorite small touches like that are when you're comforting BB. Your well, I don't know what that thing is called. The, the it has help, some name, but I forget. You know, yeah. the Wally. Thing. <laughs> Wally uh, becomes a mobile. Uh-huh. Like over your shoulder and like spins for the BB, oh, which is like see. it's just like a cute little detail that yeah. I like. Yeah, oh, that's nice. The uh, it's fun to see the bits of UI and just overall the feeling from Metal Gear Solid Five or the Metal Gear series that's brought into this and a whole new engine. It's like oh, even like the character movement, it feels so similar to Metal Gear Solid Five. But the UI is something that I keep thinking about. Like whenever you deposit uh, your transport, your cargo, and it's just like those result screens. It's like it seems like since Portable Ops, you know, that's just been a weird staple of Metal Gear. And it's like, is Kojima the one that really loves just tiny yeah. text result screens with a bunch of data on it? Because I'm not lot, a fan. There's a lot of data just everywhere. That <laughs> yeah. I, I, think I like the idea of Kojima much. just somewhere making the original Metal Gear solid, reading through a bunch of dossiers and becoming addicted to like, that. I want this in my game. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's the thing is, you know, people... Some people out there, the Kojima haters, would be like, oh, what a diva. He's making this artsy thing. It's out of nowhere. What has he become? He's an editor. I get it. But playing the opening of that game, at least, there's something so beautiful about the idea that we created this weirdo in a way. Like, (laughs) our love for Metal Gear propelled his ego, you might say, and his stardom in the industry to the point that now he's like, I'm just going to hang out with a bunch of filmmakers and creative people that I really like and make some of the most batch gaming content you've seen. Yeah. Like, there's something really He's cool like, oh, about you guys that. like the weird stuff in Metal Gear Solid? How yeah. about a whole game of that? <laughs> yeah, know? and I watched this documentary on BBC about, um, like, wrapping up uh, Death Stranding. Oh. And it's interesting uh, on that, because he talks about how, he's like, yeah, Death Stranding, it's still pretty conventional as far as games go. He's like, our next game, once we're in the all-streaming future and games have to compete with films and music more directly, he's like, that's what I'm looking forward to getting really weird and unrecognizable on the gaming front. So if you thought the lore was confusing for Death Stranding, it seems like Kojima wants to move in a direction where the mechanics are even more unrecognizable, which is really exciting. He told GameSpot that he seemed to hint towards sequel. Was kind of like, like, he said, like, I think we'd want to keep going with this. Without like committing to anything, you know. So I am. That's it's interesting to hear in that BBC documentary. Like it, that almost sounds like a different thing completely. Well, it's also where he teased. You know, well, not in that, but he also teased that he wanted to make films at some point. So it could yeah. be just kind of far-reaching stuff. But I would be surprised, I guess, if they didn't go right into a sequel. Hopefully, he like, makes something small, like some sort of Mass Effect game in between. <laughs> yeah. them. I mean, in some ways, like it kind of makes me think of like the original Assassin's Creed, right? Where it's like there's a lot of tech and mechanics that are locked down here. And then, but then, sort of the core structure is like you know you're just delivering packages. Like mm-hmm. it might get more complicated than that as you go forward. But like that's kind of what the original Assassin's Creed felt like this like technical powerhouse with an interesting, weird, like sci-fi ambiguous story that I was like, oh, I just wish there was like a little more to do. And then the sequel really like Assassin's Creed one to two is like this massive jump. Right. So I, I wonder if like a Death Stranding one to two would like have a, a similar sort of big leap and just like player engagement and what you're doing and stuff. It's like so that. weird to like think of. Think of it in that way for me, though, because I feel like so much of what I get out of this game is that Shadow of the Colossus-esque just wandering around without that much to do. Mm. Like, and that's how, what you like? Yeah, I really like just wandering around. Like, delivering packages is obviously, like, the central game mechanic, but just wandering through that world, that very melancholy world, I love it. I could do that yeah. for hours, and I have been doing it for hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want, like, a bunch of little 
mini games or mission um, like different mission types where I have to go out and infiltrate. It would some... feel weird in yeah. this game. I hear even doing like the first cargo run in that game, which is just without spoiling anything, it's just surreal. And the objective on the screen, it's like, oh, if I would have seen this objective. At the time when I saw the first teaser trailer for Death Stranding, my head would have exploded. It's like, it is just so silly, but sure, let's go with it. Um, but even doing that run, it's like, this feels like it could have been one mission in another game of the like, oh, you got to bring this thing from here to there. You have to balance it with L2 mm. and R2. Got yeah. it. And the idea that like, wait, no, that's what this game is, is just running from point to point and balancing with L2 and R2. Mm. Right? Am I yeah. missing something? No, does it's it... multi-million dollar quop. You do. Yeah. Like, does... that's, that's absolutely what Death Stranding is. Your, your ability to carry things gets simpler as you move forward. Like, I'm at a point, I don't I don't think this is a spoiler, but I'm at a point now where I'm not really using LNR. Like, I'm not balancing oh. a lot. A lot of dies. So it gets like it gets more streamlined as you go forward. Yeah. Jeff, I'm, you're a, a reasonable man. Are you going to keep <laughs> playing this? Yeah. And... I think I'm not quite as enthusiastic. Like I said, I, I enjoy those two experiences that I talked about earlier, but I think both of them, re- in order for them to be as effective as they are, they do require that investment of time. It's a little bit of boredom in there, mm-hmm. you know, and and just like the length of time that a mission takes in order to make it effective when you do run into BTs or when you do finally get to the end of a journey and there's there's that relief of like, oh, thank God I actually made it to here. Yeah. And there there was a, a time the last night that I was playing it where I it was just a long ass haul to the place I was going. And when I got there, there was kind of a bottleneck and there were just BTs everywhere. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through. Like I've used my equipment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to like my cargo was already half trashed. So like if they did attack me, like they, the cargo would have just been ruined at that point. And there was a moment where I thought like, if I get screwed by this because I hadn't saved, you know, like even when you save, it's still like you're dealing with a half an hour worth of gameplay that you might just be throwing out the window. Right. And there was that moment where I was like, if I get screwed by this, like, I might just quit. I I don't know if I want to have to redo this. Uh, but then when I, I actually got through it and was like, that was an amazing experience. Like, yeah. like it paid off for what it was trying to do. And so I, I am interested to see, like, how the mechanics continue to evolve and what they streamline and what they don't. And kind of it, it's also that that thing where it's like, you know, I enjoy it when I'm traveling west and I'm going to new places, but then it's like, okay, now you have to go all the way back to the first place that you mm-hmm. were at. And it's like, oh, God. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to have to go all the way back just to get my next mission. And that's going to send, like, you know, the fact that there's no fast travel, I, I appreciate that. It, yeah. Like, this experience would be ruined by that, kind of, you know? I don't know if you get fast travel in, in the future or whatever, but it's... It is that time investment that I'm a little I'm I appreciate everything that it's doing. I'm yeah. a little wary of, you know, if I can keep up with it. It's weird to be like, oh, Kojima needs an editor for the gameplay this time around. Like if it was just twenty hours of hauling packages, then <sighs> mm-hmm. it'd be much more reasonable than, you know, sixty hours. Which, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed he has crafted those experiences and they've worked for me. My question is if I do run into situations where it's like, wow, I got totally screwed by that, you yep. know, am I going to want to keep on trying? Yeah, and, for and sure. It, it's a weird, I don't know if anyone else feels the similarities to this and Days Gone. 
where it's like (laughs) Sony came out with two games where it's like you go out into the wilderness and the game's not afraid to screw you over while you're out there, you know? Unconventional open world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's it's not just like, okay, I can respawn my, like, the bike that you get early on, I know you can craft them later or whatever, but when I got that bike, you know, I, it was a huge help, but then I got to a place where I had to go out into new territory and was like, I'm not taking my bike. Like, I don't know. I'm going to get stuck on a rock or something. I'm going to lose that bike, you right, know, right, because right. it doesn't just make it easy to like, well, okay, I'm going to warp back and, you know, instantly spawn a new bike. It is weird. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah it was the same thing with Days Gone. It's like, it's, it's a weird, weird trend of like. I've definitely thought about it, like riding the motorcycle through. It's like, oh, this is nice. It would be cool. Like a whole game about having a, oh, wait, no, that does exist. <laughs> yeah, it's that it? game yeah. that I didn't really want to play. Yeah, I got like halfway through that one mm-hmm. and I was Yeah, good. yeah w- which is kind of the same thing of like, I really, I really appreciate that experience, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to personally stick with it. Yeah. Sure. You know, that whole time. Do you dig the world, JV? Like just the, the lore they're setting up You mean the lore here? and the story? Yeah. I haven't seen enough of it. Like I like the bigger beats of it of like, Something happened, and you know, oh, the and we have to pretend that, and so uh-huh. on and so forth. And I really like the theme of like trying to reconnect this fallen world. But those are all big beats that I love in other things too. So it's a matter of seeing how those come together. Uh, I imagine that by the end of this, that I'll yeah, I'll stick with it and stuff. Yeah, that the story will be the thing that I'm least invested in and care about. Like, Seems like that's a conclusion for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It, it's mostly just about oh, I'm just chilling in the wilderness, you know, trying to help other people and help myself and deliver packages and make a better world in a very sort of you know generic way. Generic. You know, I don't or not generic, a very general way. Okay, you know, I'm not really invested in the beats of the story. Like, okay, Sam. That, I, yeah. I can't see Sam. I see Norman Reedus. You right. know, that's kind right. of uh, that's kind of what happens when you cast famous people. Like yeah, for sure. Guillermo del Toro, but give him give him another guy's voice. It's very confusing. It's very strange. You mean Deadman, right? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, Deadman. Dead yeah, of and course. Die Hardman. Die Hardman. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm surprised. Little story things. I'm surprised that Die Hardman is the one that I'm talking to the most. Like I was <laughs> like, I thought he would be like, it's like, yes, this guy's an absurd name. We're gonna put him over here. Right, you'll interact right, with him right. sometimes, and mostly you'll be talking to this person. But it's like, oh no, I, me and Die Hardman, we're like, we're good buds. Like he's called who, me all who the time. was the president's chief of staff, but also wears a skull mask. Which maybe they'll explain it. And also point, has but... to remind you that your mom is the president. That yeah. was like one thing. I was, was very like, confused by that forget? too. To yeah. the point that I wonder, like, if there's some story stuff that might be coming down yeah, down the yeah, river I mean, because it the... seems like they're like prepping him for like you know. But is this just lazy exposition? That's what or... I think. The I implication that is, is that is. they're strained. Right, that they yeah, haven't talked but in you years. wouldn't forget that it's <laughs> your mom. No, no. Oh, that's like, right. My mom was president. No, no. I think the implication there is is like all because you know there's a line to be president, right? Like when the president dies, the mm-hmm. vice president oh, sure. dies, and yeah. so on and so forth. So she was probably like 27th or something, and all those people died. So now she's the president. Was mm-hmm. my assumption? Yes. Yeah, so oh, I that's I, interesting. I think she's like built. I think. I don't think so. And okay. maybe it's because I'm a little further. But, like, it's, she seems integral to what is happening in that world. Like, she's not some... I don't think it's a position she inherited. Okay. Right. Yeah, but but it, I could be wrong. And it's also, like, the weird things of, like, well, I'm Sam Bridges Porter now, not Sam Bridges Strand. And it's like, what are these names? Like, are you... Do you become, like, a part of a corporate family here? Or like, It's weird. Just, like, the little details. Like, what is happening in this world? Like, apparently verbal contracts are just really important. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm saying this, and now it's officially a contract was like what a weird detail and fragile is also her name and she works for the company 
fragile. Yeah, it's like you work know. for the Hillard. Hillard. It's oh, yeah. Work. There's so much absurd things, but I do want to say that like BB is surprising is much more effective than I thought it was. Going oh to yeah, be. someone's like a, got BB like crazy having here. BB fever, <laughs> BB I guess. Fever. Yes, but just having that dumb baby on you and every now like I slip down a mountain and he starts crying. It's like oh no no no, it's okay. Uh, uh-huh. And then he blows the little heart bubbles at you, yeah. which and doesn't he flicks like, off. Uh, who do you flick off? I think heart. Uh, uh, Dead man, I think he flipped yeah. off. It's like a but, real subtle thing. Uh, I I don't know. I it kind of gets back to the like the Walking Dead season one that for, that like sure. putting you in that position where you have to take care of something that's more helpless than you. Right. And it, it's a it's a weird like growth of the video game industry of that we're to that point where it's where I'm less interested now in just shooting a bunch of stuff and like now like games are just making us all. Moms and dads. <laughs> right, right. So people are making them are now moms yeah. and dads. <laughs> On a side note of that, I really like when you're in your private room and you like use the sink to look at yourself and like take a picture of yourself. Oh, BB sure. gives you a like every time you do it. It's a <laughs> quick way to like get likes. Another <laughs> uh, story thing that I really like that I want to touch on is uh, the the Marauders. Is that what they're called? The people who are out mm-hmm. there trying to steal your packages. Mules. The mules, yeah. I love yeah, Marauders is <laughs> that's out of world. world. Oh, is that right? okay, that's right. We're all confused. Um, but uh, I love how Die Hardman talks about them. I don't know if you guys have had any conversations with him about the mules. Oh, where he's just like, they became addicted to yes. delivery. Yeah, it's like, it's like, the way it's presented is that like, stealing packages are like getting high and like and die hardman's like they don't even know what they're doing anymore they just got so addicted to stealing packages they don't even care what's in the box they just want to steal the packages it's just like so ridiculous and absurd yeah and and also all of the emails that you get from like (laughs) these grizzled survivors who are living in bunkers and it's like hey sam you're the best Emoji. Well, yeah. Like all these emojis <laughs> that these grown ass men are adding to their emails, Look, the like internet... gushing over Sam, the legend. <laughs> They're new to the internet. The internet disappeared. Oh, They're slowly man. getting it back. So they're trying to, like, oh, I, I can It definitely it feels like their weird. parents, like when they use emojis in <laughs> yeah. text. Right. Yeah. Right. First time they get emojis. If, oh, if, if my mom was surviving in a post apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland, she'd be sending those weird messages. <laughs> It's uh, just weird. It's did you, all over the I place. Lo- I, I love how weird it is. All over the place. The yeah. Is, yeah, is right. Like it's so confusing too. That in the beginning, at least, it's like, oh, this is about as serious as a game can get. It's just about life and death and the connections in between. And then the first number, as I'll call it, like the first song they play, the chorus is "Don't be so serious." It's like I don't know what you want from me, Kojima. I don't know how you want and me then to react you can to make this. Poop bombs and pee bombs. Right. Yes, uh. and. <laughs> What and is an eight-minute cutscene explaining to you how that works. Yes, and and the Norman Reedus like advertisement while you're oh, pooping. Oh, right, just Norman Reedus yes. on AMC. Yeah. What 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 do you think is more jarring, that or the Monster Energy drink? The Monster Energy drink. For me, it was the AMC thing because <laughs> really? like, yeah, Monster like Monster Energy. It's stupid. Yeah, but then it's like, I'm looking for an ad for a real TV show. Starring the character in this game. <laughs> oh wait a second! You're like, making a lot of sense here. <laughs> it's just bizarre, and and that's that's the kind of thing where like I'm happy that Kojima gets to make the kind of games yeah. he makes. Just like I'm happy that David Cage gets to make the kind of games he makes. But there's there's this idea of like because those games feel so authored to a person, we kind of conflate that with like this brilliant auteur making these ama- sure. this amazing art. And those are the moments where it's like. 
what kind of brilliant auteur would <laughs> would say, okay, yeah, let's put a Monster Energy ad in the drink. And when James you, Joyce would have totally done that. Yeah, uh-huh. when, when you drink out of your canteen, it's still called Monster Energy, even though you're filling it up in the river. And it's, That's actually what Timefall is, Monster oh, Energy. Oh, that explains yeah. a lot. It's, it's just those moments, but I... I do like how absurd it is. I do yeah. like how crazy it is. And it has been working for me more than I thought it would going in. What so. do you think is going on with the rock star? Like, you know, money's nice. Do you think that just Sony wanted that just to help fund the game? Oh, or is it Kojima? Monster? Monster yeah. Oh, it's absolutely way? just a Kojima quirk. Yeah, I think so. I Wait, think so. you think so? There's nothing financial? I don't think there's anything financial about that. I think there Baloney. is. Baloney. Of I mean, course. I don't, I, don't I don't think it's no one above Kojima like in the executive sort of ranking told him to do that. I right. think he's yeah, someone, yes. he wanted to do it. I mean, if you look back at um, Peace Walker multiplayer, you yeah. can unlock like Mountain Dew t-shirts and stuff like that. Like it's, right. it's always been kind of in the background there. It is weird that it's so front and center here, but I think Coach is just... Yeah, I think do you think he just thinks it's funny number one and number two it helps the business a little bit probably some yeah somewhere yeah maybe that, I think. I, yeah. yeah i can see that it's so bizarre uh hey yeah, that's it, uh, david milner uh gi australia former he he was he had a tweet that was like someone not me some game journalist should specifically hone in on what was happening there like i would love to hear that story of how monster energy drink got into death stranding in such a big profound way right right the level of discussions that they have to give demos of the game to some <laughs> rock star executive. Like, you zoom in on those cans on the table and it is the full can, it's like all the text recreated. Yes. Yeah. It is the font. Just bizarre. My favorite thing about that whole thing is the about that whole uh monster thing is that he doesn't just drink it. He slams it. <laughs> yeah. Like he it's a really beer. Loves he's like a college kid yes. with a beer he's can. Yeah, it's just bizarre. And anyone else would just get raked over the coals so yeah. hard. On oh, yeah, that. absolutely. But it, for him, it's like, oh, That's Kojima, Kojima quirkiness. He's we quirky. Lo- we love it. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be nice if at some point a BT just slammed one, too. So, <laughs> or drank like a compete, drink a Red Bull. And oh, Norman right. Reed's on our like, side ah. of the fence, we drink this. Not in my Death Stranding world. I'm Sam Monster Energy. <laughs> You're BB Red Bull. <laughs> Oh, that's what BB is swimming in, I think. Oh, maybe. Oh, my God. Uh, Kyle, you want to talk about a game called Pistol Whip? Yeah. What? I do. Pistol Whip. He's obsessed with Pistol Whips recently. What is Pistol Pistol Whip? It's a VR game. Okay. So stay with me. Uh, So what it is, it's like... I'm gonna, like when you list these, like we always talk about, like games overlapping, and it's like it's like a combination of this and this, you know. And uh-huh. Pistol Whip to me, it's empty. Feels like a combination of um, uh, Super Hot and um, Beat Saber, which are like huh. two big. Like it's hard. Like it, it, it's almost like there would no. There's no way it can like live up to that. You know what I mean? But like it really feels like that. It has a similar art style to Super Hot, and then it has the rhythm action of Beat Saber in an awesome way. And basically, what you're doing. Is you're you're just moving down a hallway. It's basically like an like a time crisis or something. Like mm-hmm. it's like an on rails arcadey shooter, yeah. and like enemies pop out at you and you shoot them. But it's like it's really it looks awesome. The music's great, and you get like extra points by shooting in time. And like you get and they have this like interesting auto aim system where like 
you can take out so enemies, so many enemies so quickly all in time with the music, and it's just really intense and cool, and then like slow motion bullets are flying at you, so you're like dodging out of the way. And it's just, it's like the most fun I've had in VR since Beat Saber. Like, I, it's really cool. It feels like a pretty simplistic concept for a yeah, VR game it, several it years into the rise of VR. Again. But I think that's like why it works. I think like one huh. of the problems with VR games like is like people are a little too ambitious sometimes. And like you, you end up getting nauseated. But when you scale it down, like... Like, you're not worried about the camera, and you're just sliding through this hallway, basically, and you get to focus on the music and firing off bullets at these enemies in time with the music and, like, making sure... Like, it just lets you focus on what is the most fun part of the game. Right. And it, like, I, it's it's great. It's really cool. Like, I I, I, I reviewed it for IGN, and they, they, they sort of, like, you know, like, hey, do you want to look at this? And I watched the trailer, and I was like, man, I, this looks cool. We'll see how it plays. And I ended up, like, really enjoying it. Oh, wow. And I, like, whipped my head into a bookshelf dodging a bullet. And it was, it really <laughs> hurt a lot. Yeah. Uh, Brave of you to admit uh, that. Yeah, it so hurt you, like hell. You gave yourself a concussion, and then you <laughs> wrote the I review so for <laughs> Mr. Whip? I think but I understand how this it's works. it's always hard to, like, pitch VR games to people, you know? Because totally. VR, it's, like, it's expensive, and everyone has it. But, like, if you have VR and you like Beat Saber, yeah. like, you should absolutely put this in your library like it's it is like a successor to that it's like it feels different it's different than beat saber but it's yeah. like in that same genre what's and I it really on liked it. uh it is on it's not on psvr okay uh but it's on vive and um oculus and stuff cool. yeah and oculus oh quest, quest okay, which is which is awesome all right i'll try it at some point yeah you can read the i'll say right now on IGN. oh there we go there we uh go. what'd you give it eight there we go. Um, JB Gwaltney, real quick, a Disco Elysium. Oh, that Or game. not real quick. Yeah, that <laughs> game rules. Have you guys not played it yet? I haven't mm-hmm. started it. It's on Steam. I think it's only on Steam right now, right? I think it might be on GOG, maybe. Okay, I think so too. sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely, talk about like an underdog success story. It came out in October, right? Mm-hmm. In the middle of October, and it's just been slowly rising. More and more people are like... Yeah, it's a real actual game of the year contender. Everybody should totally oh, play this thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, so in so the mold. So loves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. It's in the mold of like an old CRPG isometric kind, camera. Kind of. Inspired by CRPGs. It feels very inspired by like Planescape. That okay. one in particular of like just dialogue heavy. Yeah, it's very it's only dialogue. You, there is no oh. combat system. Like any combat that's uh the closest it gets to combat is like arguments that you have with NPCs trying to figure out answers to whatever question you have. There's no like system. It's just all like checks and fails. Okay. Based on your stats. So how are you raising or lowering your stats here? Oh, you level up by. Uh... Okay, so the whole. Prim- <laughs> I guess we should say what the game actually is Please. about. All right, so it takes place in this sort of like fantasy, like this fantasy fifty setting almost that feels like Dunwall, but. You know, mod, like it's run down, but there's uh, Dunwall, yeah, from, like from, from Dishonored. Dishonored. Okay, uh, but there's like motor cars and stuff, and it's just like a a city that is going through hard times, but realistic ish, kind of, okay. yeah, yeah, realistic ish. Uh, and you're a detective who wakes up after a hard night of partying, and you can't remember anything. But apparently, there is a man who has been hanged or hung, like whichever one. Well hung, uh, yeah. <laughs> In uh, the hotel where you've been staying, uh, and your job as a detective is to a find out what happened the night before and solve this murder. Along, and then your um, a lieutenant Kim, who's your sidekick and who's very stoic, shows up uh, to help you solve it. And that's the whole game. 
Hmm. Like, and it's very expansive and it just spirals out of control as you try and figure out what happened to your detective because he has like 20 voices in his head, each one representing one of your stats, arguing with you and vying for control. So you can play your detective in a, a number of ways. Like, it's always going to be like a dude. Uh, but you can be a crazy cop. You can be a sad cop. You can be just a wild cop who binge drinks and sings karaoke. Like it's very strange and sad and fun. And the writing's great. Oh, the writing's superb. Yeah, apparently it's based. I, I did some research this morning trying to understand where this thing came from, how it works. So the developer is named Z A U M. Yeah. They're an Estonian developer that then moved to London. But apparently the world is based on. Just the writer made this world in D and D, and then eventually converted. I think into a novel, and then it became this game that he eventually yeah, renamed to Disco Elysium. It feels like you're playing. It is the closest video game experience I've had to actually like playing D and D. Really, in terms of like how many stats you have, and like you know how deep you can get into conversations with a single NPC, trying to figure out okay because. It feels like every person in this city is a suspect yeah. when you start the game. Like it could be any of these like hundred NPCs hmm. that inhabit this world, and you're trying to narrow down what happened. But every t- every conversation you have feels like it opens up a new thread that you have to track down, and it's not dull work. Like it's yeah. exciting. Like I I tell myself that I'm only going to play two hours or something, and I ended up last night playing like five. Or six. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a long game, too. It's right? a long game. Yeah, it's like 30, 40 hours, okay. depending on if you do side quests and stuff. But it's so wickedly funny and sad. And it's oh, the no. best writing in a game that I've seen in years. Oh, man. All right. So we're blowing it if we have our game of the year discussions without you, checking out someone Disco Someone here Elysium. needs to play Disco Elysium. I think his yeah. name is Soriel because it sounds like a <laughs> it sounds like a cross between like like it sounds like there's a little Killer 7 in there. Some Inside Out, maybe. like with people Oh, like, with like the psychological yeah, aspect. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Because you are constantly talking with these voices in your head and they're trying to outplay you or tempt you to like take drugs or like, hey, this is how we're going to lie to convince this person to tell us what we want. So sometimes they're like your allies. Sometimes they're just trying to mess with you. It's very exciting. All right. I got to check it out. Disco Elysium. Yep. Uh, I mean, I I assume in your top five games of the year? Yeah. uh, It's probably my number two right now. Okay. And number one is? Oh, the Outer Worlds. (laughs) Honestly, in your heart of hearts. Yeah, Outer Worlds. I know, I know. But would it be Outer Worlds if you didn't have this job? Yeah. You know that in your core, of course. Yeah, because it's so Mass Effect-y. Like, it's everything Mm -hmm. that I want. Yeah. From a Mass Effect spiritual successor, even though like that's not the spiritual su- successor it's meant to be. Right. Like it just hits so many of like, oh, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Kyle, what shirt is that? Oh, it's a Min Max shirt. Did you just get it recently? Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> How is it? It's, Fancy. It's, uh, uh, to, honestly, I, I think it's a good shirt. Does I, it feel okay. nice? I'm picky about my shirts and it feels nice and it fits well. So it's a medium. Does it have this coloring naturally? Naturally, natural because, coloring. Yeah, when I, got, when I yeah. looked at the picture, it just looked like a black shirt. Well, so I you can like customize a, it. I got oh, like okay. a grayish one. I don't remember what the actual color was, but I was surprised when it almost has like that bleach effect on yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's like a weird bleached leather look, yeah. but that's the one but you, you wanted. like it, right? Like, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really cool. When you say bleached leather, you make it sound like he's wearing roadkill. Mm. That's right. He's wearing human skin. You can buy your MinMax human skin t-shirt. Uh, we have a, a spread store. Made from store. our patrons. Yeah. That's right. Um, and so you can check it out uh, on the MinMax official site, uh, MinMax2ends.com, yep. uh, and there should be a whole merch section there, and you can customize it and get all sorts of fun Hats, stuff. Yeah. Mugs, hoodies. Yeah. You know, 
the stock pictures looked a little lame. No, Thank no you. offense. Yeah. But we said, now that Kyle has his shirt, he has to take a picture we did. that we can put up there. Did you? Yeah. 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 We'll put it up Was it for good? Folks. Because, because Kyle was, was complaining fun. for like a week of like, oh, I don't know what kind of picture to take. I wanted to do something fun and Did funny. you? You guys didn't give me a suggestion. All you it's told fine. me, to, you just said do Donald Duck. That was like your only suggestion. <laughs> That's a pretty good suggestion. Yeah. You want to sell these t-shirts or not? Take off your effing pants. <laughs> Uh, but I like the shirt. Oh, nice. It's good. You should get one. All right, great. Listener. Hey, speaking of the Patreon, uh, we have a bunch of generous people supporting us at the $100 level. Uh, their names are appearing on the screen right now, so really appreciate their support. Where's and honestly, the, the name? Uh, right down there, supporting oh. Patreon, uh, supporting us on Patreon is some of the cheapest advertising you can have. You know, if you're a small company, if you're developing a game, if you're making accessories, if you're a person that wants to shout out uh, a loved one or yourself, a pet. Anything you want, right? Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash minmax2ends and let us know what to say in a segment like this. First of all, beating down Brian. This fella. A hero. He is an Irish hero. He's super hero, nice. Which, yeah, as far as I can know, consider just a hero overall. Yeah, he does an amazing job. Uh, he supports so many Patreons out there. He's a nice guy. Uh, start up a conversation with him on the Discord and thank him for his amazing support. He's doing a great job. Also, uh, Richard Mady, uh, who wants us to say, hey, check out To The Top, a VR platforming game that brings old school challenge with new school tech. Official PlayStation Magazine gave it a 9 out of 10. It's available now on PlayStation VR, Steam, and Oculus Home. And as they say, To, to The, the top. top! To The Top! <laughs> Hey, there we go. Sorry, I couldn't see the message. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Should have inferred. Are you guys ready to make the show better with community comments? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's written Let's on the back of my it. shirt. JV, get a load of this. Uh, Patreon.com slash minmax2ends. Uh, uh-huh. If you support us at any level, you can leave a comment every week. And that is the new pool that we pull questions from. And words of wisdom and dares and trivia. So oh, I can just write butts every week. And we're required to say them. <laughs> That's not true. We still filter <laughs> these things a little bit. But anyways, yeah, every week on uh, the Patreon page, we post a big old thing looking for questions. And butts so is many making people... it through the filter though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. The filter yeah. filters out everything but the word butts. Uh. Yeah, is, is how it works. Um, Two T's. But so many people write in with amazing things. Uh, and so thanks to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the way the system... Used to work and still works now is like, I'll give some high level, like, do you guys want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about this for different things that people wrote in about? And then people give a thumbs up or a thumbs down in Slack if they like the question and something to say or they don't, right? Um, and it's interesting that now with the move to Patreon, it's almost universal thumbs up mm-hmm. to every question because, like, they're all really smart and really good. And we don't have any of those, you know, average riffraff questions <laughs> over on the game before hey, we show up. Joker with an email address. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you got to earn it, baby. Anyways, uh, Kevin Padilla says, do butts. you like butts? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a stupid joke. Uh, he says, what are your thoughts on reviews with late embargoes? Since Pokemon and Fallen Order did not have early reviews released, does this indicate a lack of confidence in the game, or is it pretty standard? Well, Pokemon released on a Wednesday morning, right? was the, the oh, Pokemon the re- reviews. Yeah. yeah. A couple um, days. JV, you might know a little bit more about this now. What do you think about that idea of when a review embargo lifts versus the quality of the game? Because obviously the common wisdom is if they're trying to delay it, they're trying to hide it, a little bit like a Rotten Tomatoes movie score. But then oftentimes there's a little twist on that and you don't see it coming. Um, I think I only ever feel weird. This hasn't changed since like the PR job. The only time I feel weird about <laughs> it is when like it's same day review or after launch review. Like... That seems really weird. Or they send like launch codes out uh, to to reviewers like right before, like an hour before or something. Right. Then that rubs me the wrong way. But otherwise, 
No, I'm, it doesn't really bother me. It, it, didn't, it didn't bother me when I was a journalist either. Yeah, and just publishers are all over the map. Like, you know, the classic example is always Doom 2016, where that was right after Bethesda's like, we're not letting press see these games early. And everyone's like, oh boy, uh, here we go, Doom. And then the reviews went up and everyone's like, oh, nope, it's one of the greatest games yep. of this generation. It's like, okay, well yeah. now we don't know what to believe, right? Yeah, yeah there, there are always those. It's easy to point to it when you have an example where things line up, you know, and it's like, oh, that game was bad. They probably were trying to hide it, you know. Yeah. But then there are, there are always going to be counterexamples where it's like, no, this is just their policy or this is when they got the codes ready, you know, to go out or those kind of things. Yeah. And it turns out the game was fine. Right. So. And you can read into so many little details. And sometimes there is an interesting story to tell from just the way that the press are getting reviews early and how that all works. Like Death Stranding is an interesting example, right, where they sent out codes for that a month ago? That was really early, yeah. Yeah, I think it was about a month That's ago, That's like right? the PlayStation, like, usual, right? But it seems especially early. And it was like, hey, you can communicate that you're playing the game. And I think that that was just that understanding that Death Stranding is a weird big thing. And they wanted to get, give people enough time to not just have a hot take, but to actually, like, hey, I finished it. And at yeah. the end of the day, mm-hmm. Death Stranding is, like, blank. Like, certainly. Yeah, I, I, think, I think also, like, there is, like, JB talked about, there's a difference between, like, the review appearing right before the game comes out. There's a difference between, like, reviewers getting the code the day that comes out. And, right. like, I think the sort of modern approach to, like, you know, games being available, like, they want, which is smart, I think, they want the burst of, like, hey, all the reviews are out and the game is available now. Like, they yeah. want all that to be looped together. It's like the MinMax reveal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, that <laughs> yeah. was something we talked about. We did not want to tease it out. Right. You know, right. which was smart. Like, I, yeah. For sure. For sure. That was really smart of us. Yeah, we did good. Good yeah. job. Yeah. Nailed it. Hey, you know who really nailed it? The supporters on Patreon. <laughs> That's how it works, JV. Okay. No, I got it. I got <laughs> you constantly it. have to remember that, like, oh, yeah, we only exist because of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex Brinegar says, hey, thoughts on the redesigned Sonic and the new movie trailer? Uh, Less Jeff, interesting. Less interesting. Well, okay, I, I okay, see Okay, freak saying. show. <laughs> no, right, but, like, you're just mad that he looks less like you now. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but, no, like, you know, I don't really... I'm still going to go see that movie just out of curiosity, yeah. but I feel mm-hmm. like the one thing that really pushed me towards seeing it was even if this movie's a disaster or just very boring, I'll have that ugly ass Sonic <laughs> to laugh at the entire time. Well, we'll but he like objective he he looks better. It like looks he good, looks yeah. better. He looks better but he's less interesting. Right. Do you think there will be a special feature on that Blu-ray that shows more footage of the original Sonic? No. Everyone's shaking their head. No, really? No. I think I think they're gonna try and bury that. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> it's so. like this never happened. But it's such a goodwill story. Why not acknowledge? Like, you know what? We really listen you to think the Sonic that's a fandom. Goodwill story. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> so? We really, really upset up. about it and like yelling so loudly that they delayed the movie. Well, a few that's months. the ultimate question: is we see it as a success, but then yeah. it's like, well, is this just giving entitled fanboys uh, I, more say over content, which can be unhealthy? Uh, see Pokemon this week. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're super jazzed about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I would assume. I don't think... Uh, who's playing the voice of Sonic? I can't believe his name. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Um, ben, oh. Why are we... Can't, ben Schwartz. It's ben John Schwartz. Ralphio, right? Yeah, yeah, Ben Schwartz. I mean, even he on Twitter seemed a little, like, shoulder shruggy. Like, well, they're going to redesign him, you know? Like, I, there was some interview I listened to him where he kind of mentioned it, too. Like, they didn't... The people involved with the film didn't seem super excited about it. The fact right. that that's the direction they're going. So, no. I don't think... I don't think, like... I don't... I would be surprised if the original trailer is even on the Blu-ray. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Which is wild because it's out there. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. 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 But and also like I'm sure that costs a lot of money 
to go mm, back oh, and yeah, redo sure. it. And so I don't think the people, you know, that direct who's ever orchestrating the extras on the DVD isn't going to be like, hey, let's really point out the fact that we cost the studio so much more money <laughs> well, that's interesting because take. we made such a bad yeah. mistake. You know? Right, right. Uh, and, you know, I see a lot of people saying rightfully like, hey, hats off to the artists and the animators who are just most likely busting their ass to make this happen. Oh, yeah. They had to push out the release date and all that stuff. But then I had a weird thought where I was like, well, yes, all credit goes to them. At the same time, like, does it just highlight the fact that we should give credit to more of those CG teams out there that are probably just being worked to death over and over the again? There's like the Life oh, yeah. of Pi example yeah, where that yeah. studio was shut down. But it's like, I think they're always crunching. And this is just a very clear case yeah. of like, boy, I bet these specific people have it hard. But what do you do? How do you support those CG teams? Go see the movies they're working on, I guess. Really? Does that do so. it? Go see Avengers several times and assume they get money. I think so. Find out, you know, pay attention to the credits. And then try and find some of those people on Twitter and thank them directly. Thanks for yeah, the way to do it. Because otherwise, I mean, if they're crunching to make the movie and then the movie comes out and makes even more money because you saw it multiple times, like, what's the message to the studio at that point? Right. Like, crunching worked and they made even more money because of it. Right, right. What do you think about the comedy in the second trailer? It seemed like less cringy jokes, but it's not like they yeah. took the first trailer's jokes out of the movie. <laughs> I think they just buried them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's not for me. Like, it is aimed at a different audience, and I'm fine with it if it works for that audience. I don't know, JV. During Extra Life, your dad uh, called in to tell an embarrassing story about you insisting on going to Sonic to eat there because you thought Sonic would be there handing you a chili dog or whatever. I don't recall. So clearly it is made for you, dude. I mean, I think it is a better... We talked about it on the stream yesterday. Like, it is a better trailer for a Sonic movie. Yeah. Because, like, Sonic... uh, uh, Even aside from Sonic looking better... You got to see him running in Green Hill Zone. The music was better. He's like holding a ring. And yeah. Wink, wink. Remember, like it just it just felt more for like if you like Sonic, like here's a bunch of Sonic stuff, yeah. you know, like because they even had the soundtrack in it. Like the, you know what I mean? Yeah. The most uh, joy I derived from that trailer was who's the human guy who Cyclops? James Marsden. Cyclops. Yeah. yeah. When he said he's my friend, I was just like, oh, this is just a movie about Brian Che. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looks like him too. Handsome. He's very handsome. Too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my kid, her, I showed her the original trailer many months ago, and yeah. she shuddered. She was like, oh. <laughs> but I showed her the new one yesterday, and she was um, the second Sonic appeared on screen. She was like, oh, he looks way better. Because she recognizes the cultural icon that is Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll let everyone know Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, we had a debate on the stream on okay. Tuesday, JV, about average people on the street, who's a more identifiable character? Average person. Okay. The Flash or Sonic the Hedgehog? Sonic, of I think. course, mm. of course, it's Sonic. And you're completely outnumbered here. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, because like, like the Flash, I think the more Flash is Flash. like a tier two DC exactly. Book exactly. And, he, and Jeff has a great point. He could be mixed up with so many other superheroes where it's like, what are people going to say that that's Mario? Forget about it. So are you going to make that video as you promised? Uh, not a video, but I still want to do it. But I, I, I went over to a brewery last night, and I was going to like ask people there, but it's like, well, that's not a fair sample because that's like. You know, a bunch of 32-year-olds wearing plaid. Like, that, they're going to go the Sonic route. And so I'm trying to think of you, and I was trying to think, what is the most age-demographic neutral place mm-hmm. I could go to give this test? Mall of America. There's a place for fun in our lives, and there's a place <laughs> for polls in our lives. You're right. I guess Mall of America, right? Oh, I thought you had, a, like, a better answer that you were <laughs> leaning towards. No, Mall of America is a good. I don't oh, want to drive down there. DMV. 
Exactly <laughs> what people at the DMV want. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, sir. Important question. Important question. But that's like a small waiting room, and it, they'd spoil the answer. Oh, so I have true. to have like people filing by. Well, you could whisper quietly. You could get really close into their ears and ask that they whisper it to you in your ear. Who is this blue character? <laughs> I'm going to show you two pictures. Seriously, where should I go to do this survey? Oh. I think I think Mall of America is actually. Yeah, not or a bad just answer. go to Roseville. Yeah, just the Rosedale Mall. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. That's a great suggestion. <laughs> Hang on. I'm I'm going to be there soon. All right. Okay. I'll do this. There we I go. have two pictures. Why are you going to be there? Uh, I'm going to see a film. Uh, Kyle, mm-hmm. I want you to look at these pictures and tell me if this is a fair representation for okay. both. You want me to describe them? Uh, you're going to put yeah. them on the screen? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's picture a picture of me in yeah. my min-max shirt. Okay. Here is Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, it's the modern Sonic. It's like post Sonic Adventure Good Sonic. Average Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. shot, though. Yeah. We all agree. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we should have a picture of a butthole or something. Everybody's so true. Good Flash? Uh, yeah, I that went... looks like uh, Justice League, the animated show. I think that's, Is this a good representation Flash. of Flash? I think so. yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Okay, you're the Flash defender in this. Yeah. So, okay. You signed off. Flash, Flash. You just signed your own death, death warrant, pal. <laughs> yeah. Of all the hills to die on. Uh, we had one. a poll. I don't know if you saw it on uh, on Twitter, Kyle, on the Midmax Games account. Oh, I deleted you got... it. <laughs> <laughs> you immediately logged in and deleted it. <laughs> Just annihilated. Yeah, because you. Yeah, I did. Because you were <laughs> tweeting it to gamers, but that that was my whole. That was my idea to do the poll and the que- and you did pose the question correctly. Thank it wasn't you. who do you recognize. You. It was who is more culturally recognizable. I don't remember exactly how you phrased it. However, I phrased it was perfect. Yeah, you did it. All man. right, we'll figure it out. Uh, Mike Sweet writes in and says, "When do you think the first game to have the PlayStation Five and Xbox whatever logo?" Yeah, do you guys hear they're calling it the Xbox <laughs> whatever? <laughs> Xbox whatever, just buy it, please. Uh, we're um, gonna stream to every other platform anyway. So mm-hmm. okay, when do you think the first game to have the PlayStation Five and Xbox logo only, not PS4 and Xbox One, will be revealed. So the first time, uh, e th- before E3, I think so. I think yeah. PlayStation will probably do one of their streams, like they did for PlayStation Four, like in February or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Iron I think VR, we'll start to PS5. see it there. <laughs> so are you saying a game that comes, a game that's being advertised as only for purely next gen, no, not, not cross gen, not like not, not a Last port. of Us Two coming to PS Five as well? No, because okay. they need just the logo and not also coming to PS Four. Correct. Yeah. So just a next gen. Yes. Well, that's tricky I think, because I think if it's... you think about something like Shadow of Mordor, like mm-hmm. that, or Titanfall, even right? Like, Are you saying the, would that have counted? You know, no. If... What's okay. confusing about this? No, only the next gen thing. So I think, like, realistically, if PlayStation has a stream again before E3, I think they'll show Horizon Zero Dawn two, and I think it'll have the PlayStation Five logo. Yeah, which... I think that's going to be the launch. Yeah, yeah. I am so excited to see that logo. Isn't Are you guys all going to turn to dust? When we see it, do you think everyone around yeah. this table is just going to age 10 years when we see that logo? The time fall. Yeah. <laughs> the time fall. Our logo is liquid time fall <laughs> that we sprinkle on you. Uh, let's see. Oh, Gio Benogi says, hey, I'm a big fan of when games have their home base or hub that the player stays in change throughout the course of the game. What's a better gamer-ass gamer thing than that, right? It's just the best. This is something that really draws me in uh, with games like The Division 1 and 2 and something that really rubs me the wrong way in my playthrough of Dragon Age Inquisition. Hmm. Is this something you guys pay attention to in games? Are there any other games that do this well? Absolutely. I think the Normandy, for me, is the best example of Mass Effect 2 because you see it literally change your ship and then it actually matters 
within the context of who lives and dies in the suicide run. Right. Like, you can lose half your team before you get, like, off the ship if you haven't invested in anything in any of the improvements. Right, right. That, yeah, I guess that's a very clear example for sure. I always think back, this isn't exactly a home base, but just that level of progression it's such a simple idea for like, oh, we figured out early in video games that progression in stats and character development, like we're into that just on a gameplay level. But then when they start realizing, like, oh, if we progress the environment as well, it's very satisfying. Like Mega Man Legends 1, I always love there's like this secret hideout that you could invest in and upgrade it. And then like the kids that use it as their fort, like really appreciate it. And you can like deck this place out and turn it from a shack out in the middle of a field to like this awesome secret base. Mm. It's like, that is so satisfying. Mm. I think of Metal Gear Solid 5. Usually just expanding. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 does mm. a really good job of that, where it's oh. like kind of like your home island, but all the resources that you're gathering from other places, you're bringing back, and then you can use those types of things yeah. in your home island. And there we go. Did you finish that game? No. no. It's huge. I mean, that's I know. It's, I have to go insane. back. Yeah. It's the Disco Elysium of builder <laughs> games. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Jacob McCourt says, Jablinski Games is Jack Black's YouTube gaming channel where he rarely plays video games. Uh, from what I believe to be the second time ever this week, he played a video game called Jumanji colon the video game. <laughs> my question With was... With Delgato? Yeah. My question was, was Jablinski Games simply an elaborate marketing ploy to market... <laughs> Jumanji the video game. No, I don't, I think, don't so. think so. JV, we streamed uh, Jumanji the video game on Tuesday. And game of the year candidate. It That's, was. was it was technically a candidate. Uh, we're going. <laughs> okay. We're going with a polite no. We're going to pass yeah. on that. Uh, there was a slight divide in the community about like, hey, this is BS. You guys are. You know, Too destroying mean? no, 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 destroying the integrity of the Great Goatee Hunt, which is oh. our Tuesday stream, by making the joke answer win. Basically, we got Bodie McBoat faced in our poll mm -hmm. for ten dollars supporters on Patreon about what game we should play. And I actually had somebody reach out to me, like send me a DM, like, "Hey, you seemed really upset by that." And I was like, <laughs> "I think it's funny, honestly, the idea that Death Stranding came out and that we didn't end up streaming Death Stranding." But I understand that a lot of people really love Death Stranding and probably think that we had a lot to say, and they're bummed out that we didn't stream it because of Jumanji. So I get both sides and I please don't expect us to have a joke candidate every week. I think yeah. every once in a while it's kind of fun just to see what would happen and there's also the solution here is to stream every game ever. Oh, oh that's yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also some value at least to me like in I, I like streaming things that not everyone else is streaming. Right. You know? Like so I like like no, I'm I don't think anyone else was playing Jumanji yesterday. I mean, didn't even have any Steam reviews, right? <laughs> right. I mean, like I so I, I I kind of enjoy that stuff of like what let's look at this oddity here, you know. So I And then we get to soak in all that hot YouTube YouTube <laughs> algorithm <laughs> traffic. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Hey man, when that movie comes out, people are gonna be like, Oh, what's what did anyone play that Jumanji game? And we're gonna be like early in the results. Uh-huh. I'm actually talking really about excited Sonic for and that Flash movie. the whole I time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're be like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I like the first one. Yeah, I like okay. the first one a lot. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very high pitch recommendation Mitch says hey on the last episode uh, Serial and Kyle mentioned their time in college look at this that happened uh, we'd love to know where you all went to school and what you studied did you always want to do that major what's a favorite memory from college alright let's take this one that's step a lot JV, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of your goofy ass school. <laughs> it was a goofy ass school. Oh, I don't remember. Winston Thurup? Whoa, that's real close. Winston Thurup. What is it? Uh, it's Winthrop University. Oh, my God. Mm. Come on. That's pretty good. Winston Thurup sounds like the name of an old racist, con long dead <laughs> Confederate general, though. So he did found the university. Which right? there are a lot of universities in the South named right. after those you know what people. It, it really sounds like is the character that we're 
always going to name, anytime we stream, we're going to name our character Winston Thurow. <laughs> There's not enough space for Thura. <laughs> um, I started out as a journalism major and then switched to English, which is hilarious since I worked as a journalist for about a decade. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, confusing. That's really weird. Why'd you do that? Because uh, journalism was boring. <laughs> or at least mm. studying journalism. Also, everyone made fun of me for like switching from journalism to English, and then they canceled the journalism program like two years later. <laughs> because you were the last person in it? <laughs> No, there was like 100 people in it. They, oh, uh, they just changed it to something else, like media studies or something. Sure. But it was pretty funny. And this was in South Carolina? The, yeah. I mean, it's it's like 20 miles south of Charlotte. So everyone who goes there is basically like, oh, we're North, Car we're North Carolina. We're in Charlotte. Come on. But they do it to, to help with like the, uh, I forget what it's called. Were you uh, in-state tuition to get in-state tuition? Oh, okay. Basically, yeah. But gotcha. everyone who goes there pretends they're Charlotte. Do you regret the English major? No. Okay. Because Garrison Keillor says that that's a joke of a major. <laughs> oh, he's not wrong. But okay. Yeah. No. So I you're saying time. Garrison Keillor has never done anything wrong? <laughs> wow. Wow, JV. Uh, Jeff, I'm please. Yeah, take the take the mic, please. Uh, where'd you go to school? I went to the U of M. University Have we ever of talked Minnesota. about this? I don't, I don't know. I, I also went to the U of M. I don't Did think you? we've ever discussed this. When did you guys graduate? Are you? Were you well, he's like time? 65 years old or oh, something. Right? Yeah, but I didn't graduate till okay, 2008. Boomer. Are you serious? Yeah, I graduated I took, in 2009. I, I did. I did the super smart thing of basically double majoring, but doing them back to back, and then taking a year or two uh, study abroad. Back so, to back. Yeah, like I almost had my English major completed, and then I was like. You had to take a language requirement, yeah. and so I did that at the very end, and I did Japanese, and I really liked it, and it was like, I want to keep studying this. So then I basically did a, a Japanese major as well. You majored in Japanese? Well, it's a, it's Asian languages and literatures. It's not just the language. It's, yeah. um, you know, like literature and film what? classes and all a bunch of other stuff. And then I went to Hiroshima University for a year. Wow. You seem hesitant to... Talk about your Japanese skills. Yeah, they're not good anymore. Is that, is that right? It's yeah. like the way I feel about Spanish that I took like four years of, but yes. I'm like, ah. Yeah, which I did three years at the U of M and then a year in Japan and was conversational yeah. when I was living in Japan, but it's amazing and depressing how fast you forget stuff. Do you have a favorite Japanese word? Something fun? No. <laughs> ah, <Ito. Ano? laughs> uh, honestly it's it's those kind of things where i will still catch myself thinking them every now and then mm -hmm. there's there's some things like that that don't uh like really translate into english but once you learn them they kind of fill a gap that you didn't know that you had like sodisane yeah okay yep which translates to you're well it doesn't have a translate it's it's like you're agreeing with what they're saying you're kind of like confirming it back to isn't them isn't that basically just what high is though like the high 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 that's just yes i know but they use it i think in a in a framing often where like if you're asking a question they'll go hi hi yeah. like they'll understand where you're going and they're giving you a positive affirmation yeah, with like that. like i said i it's it doesn't translate well right. but it's in certain situations when a japanese person is talking to you you feel an urge to kind of reinforce what they're saying and let them know that you understand that right and everything's so positive and affirming over there yes uh yeah it is stunning just editing so many interviews with japanese developers 
it's like, well, do I leave in Sodis and Egg? I, I, at some point, you realize, like, okay, I can cut this out if we're cutting out the question and stuff, because that's just the the nice response. But it's so many responses. The f- way they start all interview answers is uh, Sodis and Egg. It's like they're trying to acknowledge it. Like, okay, I hear what mm-hmm. you're saying. And I agree with it. And now here's what I have to say about yeah. that. Please look forward to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your time in Japan like? I was really good. It was... It was... Uh-oh. <sighs> Here we go. I mean, it's tearing up. It <laughs> <laughs> No, it it's just it's a very eye-opening experience to go somewhere where you are a minority. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's a I think it's a weird sample of that because people are very polite to you and it is a very nice Honestly, like one of the biggest revelations was when I got back to America. Yeah. I it felt unsafe for a while. Right. It was it was like being it, it was just a very weird experience, and and so I I really I enjoyed my time there. the The place where the university was was kind of a small university town too, so that was a little different from, you know, going from Minneapolis or Northeast mm-hmm. to a a much smaller town where it's like you go everywhere on a bicycle and it, that's adorable. It, it was a very good experience. Yeah, yeah, it is shocking. I mean, I've been to Japan ten times now, and. It's always just this brick wall that you hit when you come back, especially going through customs. Yes, in America, that was, that where it's was like, the exact. Holy God, everyone's being rude. Even though it's just like kind of standard. I mean, it's airports, so everybody's a little bit rude and mm-hmm. kind of frustrated. But just like you, just see people in a different way. Yes. Like, what are you doing, everybody? Yes. It was a it was a year of any store you go into, like it can be make um university McDonald's, and yeah. everyone is the nicest, polite most polite person trying to help you yeah. like genuinely trying to help you and make sure that you're happy and then I went to the airport and there was a customs lady screaming at this old foreign couple like you get behind that line it was like <laughs> holy crap like wh- what am I going back to no so decent eh? yes <laughs> Is that, how would you say that um it you'd it would probably be like chokdo which is like chokdo that's a no, good word chokdo it's like you're basically you are declaring that there's something that you don't want to say, so mm. it's like mm, that's a little. So if I ask you a question, you go chokto, and then so that's what yeah. JV should have said when you asked if Garrison Keeler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Kyle. Yeah. Hi. You went to college. Yeah, my story is like way less interesting. Of course it is. Yeah. Um. I so I but I will start back. I I I had this algebra teacher in high school who just. One day just was paused class and made eye contact with me, and she was like, you're going to be a businessman when you grow up. <laughs> it's so weird. And I was like, I just like, and when, I, when it was time to go to college, and I was like, I don't know, i got to figure out what my major is. I was like, well, I, I had that memory of that weird moment in this high school algebra class, and I was like, I'll be a business major, I guess. Business is a booming. So I did like two, three years of just like being a business major. And and like one day, which oh. I, one of, the, one of the reasons I love my wife, Ashley, so much uh, is because okay, one day she just sat down with me and she's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. She was like, do you like business? What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I think I kind of like 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 writing about things, like feature writing. And she was like, then change your major. Like, Mm -hmm. let's sit. And she sat down with me and like got me to change my major. And so I went into communications and then I was taking like like uh, feature writing classes and like editing classes and stuff like that. And I loved it. And it wasn't like it was like this weird thing where I was like the first three years of college. I was like, well, I got to get through this to get this degree. And then like the last it ended up being five years and the last two years of college, I was like, 
oh, I, I'm actually really enjoying doing all this homework. And like, I like what I'm turning in and I like yeah. the discussions that I'm having in class. And I like took a film minor class and stuff mm. like that. So, and then, um, so yeah, I have a, a bachelor's degree in communications from College of Charleston. And then I got an online- College of Charleston? College of Charleston. Boo. Boo. That's okay. I can make that joke. We're both from South That's Carolina. True. Don't yeah. get mad. They, were, they kind of were. I mean, like everyone in my high school split off to go to like USC- Winthrop, College of Charleston, or Clemson. It was like mm-hmm. those are the four colleges. What was the Winthrop reputation? Positive. Gangly? Uh, I think Clemson was of. like, you missed that opportunity oh. for a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I took it seriously. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, now I've like lost my liberals control. that are kind of snobby. Is that right? Plus yeah. Winthrop. And then Clemson was like, we're all the, the, the rich, just party rich sports people. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The polo wearers. Yeah. Mm. But, um, so mm. yeah. And then I, I got a master's degree online from Webster's. Oh, okay. Webster's University Online in Communications. Nice. Wrote a thesis. What was that like? Long and difficult. And do you oh. recommend it? No. Master's degrees suck. Yeah. yeah. You have a master's degree, don't you? Yeah, I've had yeah. a master's in professional writing. I was like, really? I got. Yeah, it was for me. Like, I got hired at Game Informer like partway through it, and it's like I, I it, like weirdly, I was like, I don't, do I do I need to finish this thing? You know, like I, I did, but I was like, I don't. I don't do you have, regret finishing it? No, I don't. Especially now that I'm continuing to look for work, it's nice to have a <laughs> Why master's are you looking degree. For work, what happened? Yeah. Oh, oh, you didn't hear? <laughs> JV, uh, we're in a basement. That's yeah, freezing. I, recording. Just, oh. I don't regret it. I like having it. It was just at the time I was like, do I need to keep pursuing this? Was like sort of my thought. But I'm glad I finished it, and I'm glad yeah. I, I have that now. So. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way because like I loved my English degree, but my master's degree was like pulling teeth. Even though it was like I like writing, I love it. It just there's something about like learning at that level that's annoying I feel yeah. like yeah yeah no, for sure yeah. Uh, I went to the U of M uh, with a double major in cultural studies and comparative literature and studies in cinema and media culture and then a minor in art uh, and it was miserable that's a, that's a lot yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a lot but it's just a lot of I was just very uncomfortable and so I just sat in the class and the professor they were all just blowhards yeah it just sounds uh, like you'd be surrounded by a bunch of Pomficating assholes. It's one hundred percent that, and it was brutal. It was all just theory, just in my mind, a lot of it nonsense. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll write a paper, pretend I know what I'm talking about. Okay, great. Uh, we got a real A minus student on our hands here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty if good. you confronted me about anything I wrote. Uh, I would blush so hard my head would explode because I'd be so embarrassed because I don't know what the hell they need well, this stuff about, really is. What about the film stuff? Did you like the film stuff? Yeah, that was fun. Like, yeah. but there wasn't. Yeah, there, uh, that was fun. But, you know, there was some, like, film history stuff in there, which was cool. And then even with that, there was no, like, filmmaking major at the U. So it was through, like, the theater program. I took a couple of actual, like, hands-on filmmaking classes. And that was just so refreshing to be like, oh, something, you know, as uh, tactile as filmmaking can be compared to just all this theory nonsense. It was so great. And then even just with the minor in art, I just kept taking more and more art classes because, again, it was just like, here's actually, like, a nice community where people are trying stuff and you know, communicating instead of just everybody filing in to listen to some blowhard professor for an hour and then filing out and not talking and mm. getting A's. It's like, it just sucked. Uh, but that was a low point in my life. So it's all, it's all yeah. great after Stay that. Stay in school. Stay in school. <laughs> Speaking of stay in school, here's a, a case lesson in that. Uh, Dan Reichert <laughs> writes in and says, hello, MinMaxers. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Uh, he says, my name is Dan Reichert, and I used to work with most of you. Oh. Do you remember this? No. Yeah. You can never no. forget. Yeah. I oh, did... yeah. You never, you never, <laughs> I never worked with Dan. He says, I did not work with Serial, but he's a very nice and talented guy. 
It's a shame he's not here to. Yeah. There's no way for him to hear it now. Just change it to JV. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, However, virtually everything Serial said while describing Kenny Omega's sans entrance last week was incorrect. (laughs) First off, Ben asked if AEW was the Japanese one, which Serial affirmed. I think he said so recently. This is not true. AEW is All Elite Wrestling, an American promotion formed by Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. These four are Western wrestlers known as the Elite, who formerly competed in New Japan Pro Wrestling. All right, there's some connection there, Hotshot. Seems like Dan knows a lot about wrestling. It's a, <laughs> it's a curse. <laughs> also, there was no, quote, Halloween Pro Wrestling event. <laughs> the Sans cosplay occurred on a standard episode of AEW Dynamite, which is a weekly program. Since it aired the day before Halloween, there were some holiday-themed touches like Chris Jericho pumpkin jacket and Kenny Omega dressing up as Sands, but it was not a Halloween event. Okay. Finally, there was no storyline about a dead wrestler <laughs> or any element of luring Kenny to a quote, bad guy group. <laughs> the video that aired before the entrance was just an Undertale-inspired reference to Kenny Omega leaving Japan behind to strike out on his own with AEW. I think that's what you thought was a... I think that's what you thought was a dead wrestler was just a reference to Kota... Ibushi, Kenny's old tag team partner who is still competing in Japan. None of this is part of a storyline. It's just a fun reference to Kenny's career path. I have never gotten to write uh, a snooty corrections before, uh, so thank you for the opportunity. If you talk <laughs> about wrestling at any point in the future, I'd be happy to bore you with all the details that you got wrong. Oh. Thank you for the correction, uh, Dan Reckett. We I appreciate it, it. You know, that's just an example that Dan is actually a talented guy and can do things when he actually wants to put in <laughs> effort to do them. <laughs> Right, it's a confirmation that he listened. Right, I think his wife probably listened and, and he <laughs> overheard this section, or he she played that one part out loud. Yeah, but that's yeah. very sweet. Like he Thank he you, obviously has a base of knowledge about a lot of things yeah. that he likes to downplay. So he can be like, oh, yeah, well, whatever, that sucks. This is cool. Right, wow, right, man. right. Yeah. So he can be like, wine? What's that? Never heard of it. I yeah. swear. When I really swear. Never heard of wine. Yeah. <laughs> And oh, it's a cartoon character. Now. Rea- Has it not been clear? In reality, he's a sommelier and, you know, yeah, exactly. can tell you exactly what region every wine is from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I drink beer out of a toilet. <laughs> By that, I mean a nice yeah. bottle of Merlot. Uh, is this a new segment where we just like yeah. crap on Dan Riker? No, look. <laughs> uh, but thanks for writing in, Dan. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the segment's called Get a Load of This. It could be a load of BS. There's no facts in that segment. That's true. There we go. Uh, Grimfeather says, hey, another hard-hitting question. What is your ideal version of lightsaber combat in a video game? How mm. close do you think Jedi Fallen Order will come to hitting that mark? I was pretty happy with it in the Jedi Knight series because it had dismemberment. So, you just wanted dismemberment. Yeah, because when I was young, uh, Luke Skywalker getting his hand cut off was like one of the most badass slash Bad. sad things I'd ever seen. Badass for Vader that he accomplished that task? Yes. Okay. One of the most sad-ass moments. <laughs> sad. Do you think, what was Vader's reaction when he did that? Was he like, yes, got him! Or was he like actually a little bit sad about it? What do you think he felt? Probably thought, it'll build character. Yeah. <laughs> you, couldn't, right, you couldn't see because of the mask, but I bet he went, He did pull at his cape, you know, a little Right, right. It's true, because he, yeah. he likes a good, clean choke. You know? Yeah. Chokedo? Um Was that your word? <laughs> Chokedo. Okay. Chokedo. Close enough. Uh, you know, he doesn't even like get his hands dirty. He literally mm-hmm. won't even touch you as he's choking you. So I think the idea of him causing a hand to be sliced off, and there wasn't blood, but there should have been. Like, I bet he was weirded out by that. There shouldn't have Also, been. he was probably thinking, because I got it worse. No. Oh, you did it? Is that the idea? That you think it cauterized the hand yeah. immediately? Yeah, of course. Right? 
big is rod this of not plasma. yes that is absolutely what a lightsaber does i guess i've never thought about it that directly but i guess yeah. you're right except in uh in the cantina on tantooine when yeah. there was blood for some reason oh yeah no and darth maul getting sliced in half there's blood like a blood spray so if there's enough if the wound is big enough then it can't Depends cauterize on everything yeah yeah i guess that's yeah. smart it doesn't it doesn't this is none, very complicated all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> i would say a little systems heavy for the sword play yeah. is what i want to see to get back to the original mm-hmm. but then also yes every time you actually get in a hit it has to be lethal but also this might be controversial i don't want to fight anything that also doesn't have a lightsaber yeah, you know, I lame. either like I wanted like what they wanted from episode one, where going up against the droids. I think in the behind the scenes video, like Lucas tells Spielberg that he wanted it to be like slicing through butter with a hot knife. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what a lightsaber should do to anything. And so I understand that makes gameplay complicated. So it's like I guess it just comes down to a series of duels then against other lightsaber wielders. Because yeah. I even just like the Kotor thing of like, oh, here's some guys with some electrified rod. It's like this sucks. I don't want to f- go up against these guys with mm-hmm. a lightsaber. Doesn't feel real. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, but you can throw in the fodder every now and then of just yeah, like stormtroopers who you slice through. Right, right. But, I just don't want anybody to be able to hold their own that also yes, doesn't have a lightsaber. Yeah, they shouldn't be able to. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, it's not a licensed lightsaber, but I actually like thinking of Beat Saber's lightsabers like as functional lightsabers and like it being a fun way to use a lightsaber because things are just flying at you and you're just slicing through them, like literally. Mm-hmm. Like that's a fun thing to do with a lightsaber is to slice through blocks of butter as they come at you. you know? <laughs> right. Do you think the Beat Saber devs have had one conversation with Disney about like making a licensed version of it? They had their like what mm. Disney Angry Birds or something, right? The Star Wars Angry Birds. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Disney dancing or Star Wars dancing. Right. Too, yeah. so. I bet. I would like to think. I would hope that they've had some kind of discussion. I mean, they're getting big enough to the point where it's like I feel like. That could be something in the future. Like it's as far as like VR games go, I think Beat Saber is the one that's like that's the one that's in front of all the marketing for everything, you know. So yeah. I mean, and they're clearly interested in being in the VR space with that Vader Immortal game. Yeah. Which right. is not a great lightsaber. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. But it's cool that you can use it like a flashlight. Like there are parts mm-hmm. of that that's cool, but that definitely falls in that camp of like, okay, I'm going up against a bunch of Dumbos with electrified rods, and then and the frustrating thing with that too is like when you have direct control of a lightsaber, it's like, all right, now battle some enemy robots or villains. It's like, okay, literally the most effective thing I can do is just go dugga 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 and like just wave (laughs) your hand around because you just have to get as many hits yeah as it matters to take them down. It's like that is not fun in any way. Yeah, that's why I like Jedi Knight again so much is because like. There were tons of enemies that you would just cut through because they had, you know, they were stormtroopers or thugs with guns or whatever. But then when you got to the duels, it was super hard. Yeah. You know. I gotta go back and look at footage of that, I guess. Is that the one that came out on Switch recently? It's the, the, yeah, it's the third Jedi Knight game came out on Switch. Or no, okay. the third Dark Forces game came out on Switch, but it's Jedi Knight 2. Okay. Cast. Did you guys think about lightsabers a lot as a kid? Yes, constantly. I would have dreams. About I hit them. my father many times with the fake lightsaber. Yeah, he didn't like that. Before, or after you did your boom butt bomb, whatever the embarrassing story <laughs> also told bu- us. Oh, I bust myself. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, both before and after okay. and during. Sometime. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I just remember thinking hard about like, why are they making shields out of this stuff? It was like mm. a suit of armor. Like you could do it if you just had a bunch of little lightsabers, and then they all just kind of like connect, and you could just make like a full suit of armor and you could literally just walk through a battlefield and kill everything. Probably because it would evaporate you, right? Or like dissolve you, right? If it touched yeah, you. Yeah, it would swing and then cut right in. Okay, what about just like a hamster wheel 
that you rode on the inside of, so you had some space Ooh. between you and the lightsabers, and then they're all just sticking out. And then mm-hmm. you trip and die. You no, because you fall you're... inside the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd and be like a barrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it's the highest likelihood <laughs> you break your neck. Yeah. Uh, yeah that all sounds good. Mm-hmm. Zaid <laughs> Al-Wasiti says, Hey dudes, what is the best interview you've ever conducted? I'm talking about an interview that you walked away from and thought that it could not have gone better. Mm. Well, you've probably done the most interviews of any of us, I think. Yeah. You have one that stands Maybe. I liked, I, it's, it's, I liked talking to Justin Roiland. The, oh, on the podcast. Just, but he's just like really funny and, you know, bombastic and, and loud and like... Yeah, remember when that game came out? Yeah. Trover Saves funny. the Universe? Uh, so that's that probably one of my favorites. It's kind of recent. You can actually right. still go find it, which I would recommend if you've, if you've played Trover Saves the Universe, you should watch the spoiled interview. It's fun to talk oh, about yeah. the sort of in-depth in that universe, which yeah. is really weird. But Also that could use more views. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> really tanked art. Yeah. I, uh, I got... When we were on the Infinite Warfare trip... I got to talk to the guy who does the voice of BJ from Wolfenstein because he oh, was that's cool. the VA. You were there? No, no. it was Wade. Yep. Yeah, he does the VA for the main character in that game and wrote that game. And VA? he also did some of the writing on modern on this Modern Warfare too, which is just mm. weird. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, oh, but that was fun. Confusing. That was a fun interview talking about how he was like henchman in that remake of the A-Team. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like... Not like the bad guy, but the bad guy beneath that guy. Okay. Yeah. So it was just a fun little thing of like, I'm a big nerd and I know all about your life. Answer these questions. Sort right. Of thing. Right. Yeah. It's really satisfying doing an interview. And when you find that rare instance where on a cover story trip, it's pretty rare. But every once in a while it happened where PR would leave the room or they were busy with something. But it happened a lot on the podcast where you'd call somebody up and then just that satisfying moment, which is one of the best feelings in the world of just in the back of your mind realizing like, it's just us. Like, it is just one-on-one with this developer. It's all coming down to this chess game. If I can get them and lead them in the right direction, I could make them cry. They could reveal some big secret. we get some hot news, get that traffic. It's just like, it's just like realizing that it's like, oh, no. We are squaring off mano y mano. No BS here other than the media training. It's a really exciting moment. So never leave anyone alone in the room with I you. I wouldn't recommend it. But honestly, nothing too terrible has ever yeah, happened. It's fine. Um... But I think of the first interview we did for the rebooted version of the Game Informer show with Tim back in 2015, I guess it would have been. Um, The first interview we did was Warren Spector. And it was fun just talking to Warren Spector just about his career, you know, Epic Mickey, stuff like that. Um, But then in that interview at some point, he brought up that at Junction Point they were working on a Half-Life episode. Um, Or maybe I asked about it because there was like one little tiny news story about that from years before and then he's like oh yeah we're working on the half-life episode and like and i guess i shouldn't talk about it but what's valve gonna do fire me like they can't kick me out of the industry so yeah totally and we like we're working on it we had a magnet <laughs> gun and he went into like all these details on this episode of a half-life game that they were developing it's just that amazing moment of like does he realize what he's saying does he realize how big this is gonna be yeah you know then barely anybody cared but <laughs> yeah. it's, it cared. it's exciting in those moments when you get to that and then you just think of like those interviews where and I guess this extends to videos a little bit too, where after you record it, it's just like, oh my God, I cannot lose this footage. I can't believe we got that. I hope nothing went wrong on a technical level. Like after the rapid fire interview with Miyamoto on the Breath of the Wild covers for a trip, that was definitely one of those like, I can't believe I have that footage sitting on my computer right now. Like I'm so excited to get that out there. That was ever, so fun. Have we ever told, I don't, this is like a weird story, just real quick with Please. that, where we finished up the interview and one of the questions we asked was uh, Paper Zelda. And they were like, yeah, yeah. sure. And like you know, we're all you're packing well, yeah, up your Anuma equipment. Well, yeah, Anuma was like, 
we're working on it. Yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah, but, and so, and we were sort of chatting after we were done. Onuma and Miyamoto had left. And I very stupidly was like, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This? I was so like, mad. I was just talking to you and and uh, Reeves and like, you know, PR. PR was in the room. I was like, yeah, I can't believe they said uh, Paper Zelda. Like, can you, can, I can't believe, that's crazy, right guys, that they said that? And, and <laughs> just, you just gave me like, which rightly so, just the most violent look of like, do not surface that. <laughs> like, let's let that just keep going. Like, let's, let's, we want to make sure that they don't come back around and tell us to remove that from the video. Uh, yeah, I just, or like, I, argue that we should, which yeah, would have been a fight. And I immediately, yeah. I realized like very quickly, I was like, oh yeah, I, I should just. Sit here calmly and Boy, the internet's the gonna area. explode when it <laughs> I mean, reveal That's outrageous. And it's fair that we put it in and again barely anybody noticed. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, I don't know what that was. I assume it was just a joke then, because Anuma was like, Yeah, yeah we're working on that. Paper Zelda. You know? I'm sure it was just a joke. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day. Was I talking to you about that? Where it still makes me laugh that idea of when asking what Link's name was. <laughs> Link Link. And yeah, and he said Linku Linku. <laughs> like, All right, well, whatever. Uh let's see. Tommy White says did you hang on? Did you have an interview, Jeff? Have you ever talked uh, to anybody? Yeah, it was it was <laughs> along the lines of what you said about getting someone on on a call by himself. There was a point where we were still doing evolve coverage, which oh, yeah. I, I know wasn't the biggest game or whatever, but I was excited about it. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of one of the things, one of the modes that they that they didn't really have hammered down for when we did the cover story. It was kind of a follow up. They were, you know, it was one of those previews where they're like, "Hey, check in with them and see if they got anything," because we want to do a couple pages on it. And it was just a conversation with Chris Ashton, I want to yeah. say, and he he I, it was it was one of those blessed times where it's like I don't know if they're gonna have anything that's interesting or exclusive. And he just laid out everything, and then. Like halfway through it, I just completely forgot about the interview and and just like got into the like the nerdy details of like oh well how's that gonna work and yeah and we were both we kind of shared an enthusiasm for it and what kills me is that that audio file is probably gone now and mm -hmm. just that idea of like what I know that when you're doing an interview for like a magazine or a written piece it has a different structure and it feels weird and stuff but it's like it's just a bummer that I didn't get to hear that conversation yeah. It bums me out every interview that isn't available in a podcastable mm -hmm. format. Because then you digest it down and it's like a couple paragraphs. Yeah, it and sucks. Stuff. It's yeah. wasting everybody's time, right? Yeah, so don't read magazines don't anymore. People. anything. <laughs> I think it's saving a lot of time, like getting the, the like surfacing the best bits of it, you know? Yeah, for like, sure. I know, but... I know you love transcriptions and reading the whole review, but I, yeah. I would rather just read like, give me the summarization of like what you guys talked so about. So if you, like just this morning, I Googled, Disco Elysium interview, because I wanted to understand where these devs were coming from. Yeah. I clicked on the top couple of interviews and then was scrolling through and I'm like, oh, this format, it's no good because it's just they're writing a feature and using quotes here and there. It's like, I want a raw, not raw, obviously edited, but like an interview style question, answer. Here we mm -hmm. go. Like that is just so much better in my mind. I know that writers... Don't like that. <laughs> See it as lazy. I just, I just like to come. I'd rather read less is kind of what it comes down to. I'd rather really? read just like sort of a sort of compacted, like structured, you know what I mean? And of, of course, obviously, there are some things that I want to read the full like transcription for. But yeah. I like, yeah, it, just I like it going. It yeah, I like I do like it going through a writer and sort of like. But the writer's just like bring, reframing what the developer's saying. And it's like the writer's not the smart person more, here. The developer yeah, is. But if they're doing a good job, then it becomes like it's a. Presented in a more digestible form. I think there's there's room for that, but just when I Google interview, I want to see an interview. Yeah, sure. it, I think it's like the difference between are you looking for information on a game or do you want a conversation around it, and you right. really want to hear the 
you know, the creator's thoughts on it versus just like, what is Disco Elysium? I want to get some idea of what's going on here. Or sure. there's this new feature. What did what did the developer say about that? Yeah. JV, uh, being on the PR side of things for Outer Worlds, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to go into any specifics if you don't want to and stuff. But, but you when's learn- the sequel coming out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but did you learn anything just about the effectiveness of getting a message out there about what format... Um, is best suited for developers about whether you were you more lined up for podcast interviews, video interviews, written interviews. Was there any sort of like data or something where you learned like, oh, to, it turns out this is the best way? To be honest, I'm still learning. Yeah, like I don't, I couldn't pretend to answer that question. Sure. With what I've learned, what do you think was the most effective interview or thing you lined up for the Outer Worlds? What had the biggest impact? I think we're still seeing that. We're still seeing yeah, that. Yeah, so I don't. I don't think I have an answer yet. Sure. Yeah. Do you have an answer for? Thing? Yeah. Do you have an answer for how far away you can get from that mic? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tommy White, you guys want to talk about Bloodborne? Sure. Yeah. Great. Tommy White says, "Hey, I just beat Bloodborne, and I thought it was." All right. Mm, this how, is Tommy White fair. saying it, ladies and gentlemen. How did he write? <laughs> uh, he says he'd give it about a 7.5 on a GI scale. Mm. Oh. Uh, online, it seems people are either beat the game and loved it or were too frustrated and didn't like it enough to finish it. Also, according to how long to beat, I beat the main story 42%, 15 hours, faster than average. Um, I used the starting weapon for the whole game and only upgraded my character's armor, HP, stamina, and strength. Maybe I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have because I missed a lot of content, but isn't the game's fault Isn't it the game's fault if I missed that content? Especially when I felt like I was doing a good job exploring. Sorry, Jeff, do you want to take this? God damn it. I'm pressing the button to make it shut up. This is embarrassing. <laughs> JB, this is what we've become. <laughs> Uh, is is Bloodborne overrated? Did anyone else on Earth beat it and not love it? I, I think this is an interesting perspective. Um, I, I don't I don't think I would say overrated for Bloodborne or f- from games in general. Yeah, but I definitely I feel like a weirdo Uh-oh. because I am in that camp of like I don't love or hate from software games. I but I you play them. I play them, and but like I played I liked Dark Souls two. I beat Dark Souls three. I liked Sekiro, but it's not. A full-on obsession. I don't adore those games. I just like generally enjoy them, which is mm-hmm. like a rarity. I feel like you are tipping one way or the other on. What's your chance on Bloodborne? Uh, Bloodborne, I, did, I played half of, and I've given it two really like hardcore tries. You People's know I mean? hearts are breaking. You realize I, listening to this. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't say it's a bad game. I don't like. It's not like I dislike it, but it's just. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's uncommon for someone to play a from software game and kind of fall in the middle, which is a is about where I'm at. Like, yeah, that's where I would consider myself. Can I fix something on your face? <laughs> you have a piece of glitter and on your upper lip, and it's okay. sparkling and driving me insane. Yeah. You should lick your finger. You want me to this, this is just this like insane from Bloodborne. <laughs> the glitter. Uh, Jamie, you're a Bloodborne guy, right? Yeah. Uh, out of all of those games, I like Bloodborne the most. Either that one or Demon Souls, but probably Bloodborne. In any way, do you think it's overrated? Because a lot of people are saying one of the greatest games of all time. I mean, I think it's understandable to dislike that game, but I don't think it's overrated. Okay. You know, uh, I love it. I love the atmosphere in that game. I think it's really hard to find a game with an atmosphere that's comparable. Death Stranding. Well, let's finish Death Stranding and have that conversation. Uh, Chris Logan says, question for you, Ben. That's me. What ultra-specific stats are you tracking with this show? It's not so much stats, but we are able to reverse engineer the microphone on your phone where you're listening. So we yeah. listen to your lives a fair amount. Um, I know you love the crazy observations listeners sent in on the GI show about how many figure or how many times certain words were said or how many times specific people appeared on your podcast. I figured with this fresh start, you'd probably have an odd thing or two you wanted to track. 
Oh, I took this as a different. Okay, I didn't read this all the way through. I thought he was talking Come about like, analytics and stuff. So tracking with this show. Um, no, I'm not thinking of anything that specifically. I guess I'm interested in like how we phrase things and word things and how that's going to get smoother over time. Even just the simple thing of like transitioning to uh, feedback that makes the show better. Like even the framing of that, I feel like I need to smooth down exactly how I'm framing this because it's not community emails. It's community feedback via Patreon. We we like all those weird stats, but we like yeah. when the community brings them that's to us. Exactly they do right. all the hard work that's exactly and then they right. report back to us. Yes. And in terms of analytics then for like the podcast not that many i can see where what app people are listening through which is really fun because like last week i shared it like on the discord there's like a podcast channel and at some point i was like why can't i just be transparent with these people about exactly the numbers of like subscribers and all the stats with this obviously not giving out personal information for listeners (laughs) but it's like i think this is interesting nerdy stuff and so i shared it in there but one of the key details was somebody listening to this podcast listen to it via the Samsung proprietary browser. <laughs> if you're that deviant out there, I want to know what's going on Is in your this life. Better or worse than listening on Zoom? It's. I think it's I, less interesting, but unexpected. Well, I think Zoom's easier to get to. I think if you have a Zoom, it's easier to get this podcast. A, de- a dedicated Samsung? Is that like you're using the browser on a Samsung TV or something? Oh, maybe. Like, how are they? I don't know. I assume they just released some browser that. Apparently one person that really likes the MinMax show. It must be either a TV or like a phone, maybe like an maybe. really old phone old or something. Phone, yeah. yeah. If it's like a TV, that would be crazy. That would be weird to like download it there somehow yeah. or like go to a URL. I don't even know. Who knows? Message. Send us a message, please, Mister or Mrs. Please. Samsung. We need you. Also, <laughs> it just on the topic of analytics, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know if there is a, a conclusion here, but it's just one of those interesting things where I can track. A lot of analytics like on the YouTube channel for MinMax. Right now, our audience is 92.6% male, mm. which is pretty high. And there's a part of me where it's like, oh, I wonder how we could get more female gamers into this stuff. Is that just uh, an impossible quest to be like, what if we no, just I want that. make content for female? But like, what? then that's what weird. That yeah, even, what is yeah. that? Bring JD. women in. Yeah. You're saying that only having men on the Midmax show, that's an interesting take. I mean, that's my wife's feedback, too, by the way. She's like, yep, more dudes talking about games. And I just kind of like, yeah, I mean. I hear you. Yeah, Yeah, we definitely would love to. Uh, On Sunday, we streamed uh, uh, karaoke, like Twitch Sings, and we had my friend Kelsey come on. So there we go. That was fun. There's something. Right? Progress. Yeah. Progress. That fixed it, right? (laughs) That fixed fixed everything. (laughs) All right. Uh, okay, here's an insane idea. I think I pitched this to you before, right? But when I saw this stat, I'm like, what would it be fun to like, I don't know, just call attention to how skewed the gender numbers are on our YouTube channel by making a little game? Like, what if we made a YouTube video, JV? Tell me if I'm, I'm smoking too much. Okay, so I make this YouTube video, and the video is called If... Okay, something along the lines of if this video isn't viewed by 50% women, this video will be deleted in one day. <laughs> and then just keep uploading a version of that video as like this weird challenge for the audience. Like, I'm going to watch those stats. When they tip over the scales, delete the video. Until eventually, like, can it sustain itself with only women watching this video? Like, how long would it take or would the general male audience on YouTube always break that number over and over again? Is this insanity? I think so. Yeah, insanity. this is a bad idea. Yeah, That sounds okay, like you're going to tank our algorithm somehow <laughs> because it's like... 
YouTube will look at it and be like, why is he uploading uh -huh. and deleting the same video hey, every day? I think it's enough of this algorithm. It's time for some algorithms, right, y'all? All girl out. rhythms. <laughs> okay, Barrett, Barrett Boswell has a hard-hitting question. Wanted to ask what the heck happened to the Stanley Parable console edition that was coming in 2019. We haven't heard anything about it since the announcement. That's true. Yeah, it was supposed to be released in 2019, mm. and it has been radio silence. It was supposed to be that Crows, Crows, Crows company that was developing it with like new content for consoles, and it was super exciting. But maybe they're just holding it for next gen at this point? And we're sure it's not out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There was a yeah. pause there. <laughs> there was a pause. I, I'd be shocked. I mean, yeah. I love that game. I think yeah, I would have yeah. seen that somewhere because I'm guessing they're creating like I would hope console specific content. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really fun idea. But I mean, and that developer isn't particularly vocal until there's an announcement to make. So I feel like they've just been working quietly. Could be. Uh, but they should change the release date realistically. Yeah. Like, this isn't going to be a just December push, release. Just push it. Yeah. Just push, push it real, real good. good. Really? <laughs> Chris Bartlett says, What are your thoughts on the state of open worlds in modern gaming? Many recent games, such as the Borderlands 3 and Outer Worlds, are embracing the concept of smaller open areas that give many of them the same highs of open worlds without the pain points that often accompany them. However, Diablo has long used a similar structure, but is abandoning it for a full open world with Diablo 4, so clearly they see the value in that larger scope. I personally prefer the smaller open area structure, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Hub worlds always be open worlds for me. Yeah, like, I, I just feel like you can pack so much more detail and make those places feel uh, like actual, you know, places that are worth inhabiting as opposed to just endless expanse. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's usually where I fall on. There are exceptions. Like, I think Red Dead 2 is probably my favorite version of, like, the huge open world. Like, because right. those expanses are so beautiful. Yeah. And Death Stranding, you know, there's not a lot there. But what if they said, JV, we need you to consult on the next Assassin's Creed? Series of hub worlds or open world? Series of hub worlds. Really? Just because it'd make that series interesting to me again. Ooh. <laughs> he said there, it. There he goes. I mean, just saying. It's not, that's not saying it's a bad game. It's just like the last couple haven't been for me. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like with that too, part of it is the trend of where open world games have gone. Not just, you know, the size of the world or whatever, but the quantity idea of we just have to cram in as much like mindless filler things in order to, in order to hit 100 hours or whatever which i think assassin's creed is one of those examples and i would say that outer worlds even if it if it is hub worlds and also death stranding are have me a little more hopeful yeah. where it's like we don't we we may be open world games we're kind of in that genre but we don't have to do everything and we don't have to try and hit this artificial number or this artificial number of activities that you can do in this world yeah and so i i hope like that is one of the most exciting things for me about death stranding is it's an interesting world that I do want to explore, but then it's built on this really quirky mechanic that you haven't seen anywhere else. And I would like more focus um, uh, from different games. Yeah, like it, that. It, it actually makes you grapple with the landscape mm -hmm. in like a way as opposed to just walking around and not really paying attention to it. Like you actually actively have to look at what you're walking on or like climbing on or whatever to progress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chase Smith says that now that you have left Game Informer, who has the burden of the exiled Ride to Hell Retribution live stream video file? I know it was ah. taken down to being a bit messy. <laughs> That's an understatement. That's the understatement of the millennium, as they say in mm. uh, Mandalorian. Uh, any chance highlights or chunks of that will ever see the light of day? Uh, Chase, I remember saving 
that video file but I don't remember where. So I do believe <laughs> that I somewhere. am in, that I have it somewhere saved on some hard drive or Google Drive or something that I have the full Ride to Hell Retribution live stream archive. I am hesitant about putting that back out there. Maybe <laughs> I would scrub through it at some point uh, because it was an S show, as they say. There was a lot of consumption and it was rough. I know of at least one other person who has a copy saved too. Oh, really? Yes. So we've got two people with the keys. Who the mm. hell could that be? I can be? tell you after. Okay, please. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this snuff film that's <laughs> like people have copies and you're like, oh boy. It's it's pretty not great. It's pretty not great. Because I, I think there's a lot of fun in it and it was fun overall, but like there are like two moments that I think of in particular where it's like, I can never let that see the light of day. <laughs> so like, that's why I'm a little protective about it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wes Bates says... What's the game in your backlog that you most want to play but regret not having played yet? Conversely, what's the game you regret the most for ever playing at all? For me, I regret the most having not played Dishonored 2. Hmm. You should fix that. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, game in your backlog you most want to play but regret not having played yet. I re- I don't know if this is the quite the right answer, but I regret not playing... I'm always a defender of, like, you can just start with Mass Effect 2. Like, yeah. I always say that. Right. But I do regret not having played Mass Effect 1 when it came out. Because, it. because now it's hard to go back to. Right. So I guess I, that's kind of an answer. Right? Yeah. yeah. For me, it was just the other day I was talking, maybe it was to you, about uh, Telltale's Jurassic Park. Mm. The fact that I have not played through more than the first episode of that is insane. And look, JV, I know it's not good, but it is... <laughs> I am it was that made Venn diagram. Yes. I yes. know, but it's I, I get it, but it's really bad. Have you played through it? Yes. I think it would at least be interesting. And, oh, it's interesting. And it's a bummer that they took it down from Steam, so now I have to, what, order an Amazon of the 360 version? Or Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'll figure it out. What's the question huh? again? What, like, the game we regret the most playing in our back? Or what, what is it? There's two questions. <laughs> not game playing? regret not playing what's the dishonored to jurassic telltale not played yet uh it's oh the game on my backlog i haven't i haven't played baldur's gate one or two. Oh, okay i really should get around to that that'd be interesting and you seem like the type of hardcore weirdo that would actually yeah, play through like those. those things yeah because yeah. you just went through every super nintendo game it seems like ever made uh the greatest hits i feel like okay yeah uh the game i regret the most god there have been so many i had to play that star trek <laughs> Uh, film adaptate the game adaptation of the second oh, Star Trek movie Into yeah. Darkness. Hang on, can I just slow you down here? Yeah. You pronounce it Trek? Trek? Star Trek? Yeah. You confused better. about the yeah. name of Star Trek? I said Trek. You said Trek. You said I'm Trek. Right, whatever. <laughs> uh, Star Trek. Uh, okay. That that I had to review that, and it was really bad. Yeah. It was awful. Who developed that again? Do you remember? Digital Extremes, I think. Was it? Okay. I, th- I that think. Was- you were doing that freelance at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. it was for an outlet that doesn't exist anymore called Dusty Cartridge. Okay. Reeves', oh, is, wow. uh, Reeves Ben Reeves' review of that game is fantastic. That was like, I had just started a game before, and I remember reading that review and kind of being like, oh, man, this guy's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> that game is some trash. <laughs> yeah, no, the, garbage. There we go. I there we that. go. Those were the Warframe developers <laughs> that made the Star Trek video. Oh, it's right. really bad. That's so wild. Um, oh, this one's for you, Jeff. Jason Estes says, what do you think about a rating system for reviews that provides a number for high and low parts of a game? 
Hmm. For instance, Death Stranding may be a nine in its best, but its worst is like a six. So its rating would be a six to nine. This would clarify if a standard seven game is really a seven seven or something that has a lot of peaks and valleys and is a two seven. <laughs> interesting idea. That, that is an interesting idea. JB says no. I like to see it in action for like one or two reviews and then never see it again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I. That sounds like a game enforcer like joke review system. Really? Yeah. I think it'd be informative. Kind of interesting. It yeah, it is an inter. I it is an interesting idea, but in general, I just feel like. I've gotten more and more tired of the numbers, and I feel like as editors, we should be able to convey like how we actually feel about a game and not have to rely. We should be able to do that with words and not numbers. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and it's it's annoying to me that someone can, if you can read an entire review and say, yeah, but how do they really feel about it? Like, can you tell me on a scale right. of one to 10, even though like those numbers never line up between people, you know? Like right. what what I think is an 8 versus what I think is a 7 versus what you think is an 8. Like even if we say 7's average, which doesn't make sense to begin with, like those are never going to line up. We're fooling ourselves into thinking that it's like this objective idea. Uh-huh. Whereas why can't I use my words to actually tell you what it is? And and as we all know, like as soon as you see a score, most people don't even read the thing, and they think they think they understand what that number means, so they're yeah. not going to follow through. So, but uh, that's an interesting idea. If you're going to use numbers, I that would be an interesting alternative. I really like the see. compromise that like Kotaku and some other sites have done, where it's just like a, here's a quick summary box, where it feels like yeah, you know. It's it's a very like one couple of sentence thing like a verdict, uh, but you know you still have to read some. It's not just it's not numerical. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of pretty much in total agreement. I don't like scoring reviews. I've always liked just letting my words you know mm-hmm. justify you know mm. present a, the argument. I as a person not a, not as a reviewer stepping aside as a consumer. I love numbers. I, I want to know too. basic. I just want to know is it solid without knowing any more information. Like but I you will I, never actually know that, Kyle. Yes, like but it gives us something to argue about, is. something but to memorize. Like, in terms like, of, it's of spoilers, like I like going into games as blind as possible. Like I feel like I successfully did it with Death Stranding, but I liked seeing those sort of numbers across. I liked seeing everyone's number without. Re- I didn't want to read the reviews because I didn't want to know even how the game worked mechanically. I mm-hmm. just wanted to go in a hundred percent blind. And so for that reason, I I do like numbers. I like reading reviews too, but like in terms of just like I just want to know. Without any context of anything else about the game, I just want to know how do you feel about it. Yeah, you know, on but a quick you, scale. you couldn't get that across with an "it's awesome" or "it's great." That's a different type of score. That's a different type of number, right? No, it's not a number. No, awesome is the greatest number of all. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's is some. it like is Help it a, me, JD. is it a mediocre or is I it mean, a great or is it, it an awesome? I mean, it door. sounds dumb, like when you say it like that. <laughs> so I, I don't I, have to say anything. I sympathize with what you're saying. Like, if I want to read criticism of a game, like it's important to read the full review. If I want to see someone's point of view about the full game, like I like that. I read those. I write those. I want those. But in terms of just like like today, I just want to know baseline. What does everyone think about Pokemon without digging into the mechanics or anything? I just want to know: Do you guys like it or dislike mm. it? And Brian know? Shea gave it an eight seven five, and I love knowing that. Yeah, yeah. As we call it, the old Pokemon eight seven five. I gave out a bunch of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob Buell says hello to the two N men. I don't. I don't. Who is that? Maybe an odd <laughs> question, but is there a part of the gaming industry that you just don't understand and have never bothered to check up on or been too embarrassed to ask? 
For me, it's auto battlers or auto chess. Uh, I have no idea how they work. I've seen people play them. I've tried playing them myself. Uh, nope, still nothing. I'm convinced they're just some sort of elaborate prank on the gaming <laughs> scene because no one understands how they actually work. Well, he just gave the best answer to that. I oh, think we yeah. can all yeah. say that. You know, it's like Roblox count there. It's a real school. Like, oh, yeah, Roblox, Roblox. But like, really, we're all in the dark. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're hip, Kyle. You got like four kids. Or no, I, I actually... It's funny. We were actually we were just talking about that the other night. We're like, yeah. maybe we should check that out because it's a creative game. Like mm-hmm. you can build your own things. But yeah, I, for me, it, like yeah, auto battlers, mobas intimidate the hell out of me. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. I think um, going back a little bit, I don't think I. Maybe there's no mystery here, but I've always just played it cool on like. <laughs> the Sega era between the Dreamcast and the Genesis. I don't know what's going on there. Like I understand like the Saturn. The, I understand the Saturn was a system, but like if you put a gun to my head and said, "Was the Sega CD a standalone <laughs> console?" But I, is that an add-on for I the 32x? <laughs> I'm confused about all that. I understand it's a very simple Google, but I've always just been like, "Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, 32x, got it." Yeah, it's like I don't really understand how that all stuff, all that stuff <laughs> works. That's Panzer fair. Dragoon was a good thing for one of those, and that's an Reeves RPG. likes it. Yeah, but then it was also a. A dragonfly. I don't understand any of this. <laughs> the freak zone, I call it. Uh, let's see. Jacob Dowman says, Hey, have you guys watched any video game donkey videos on YouTube before? You should definitely check out his Metal Gear Solid Explained video that came out the other day. I'd love to hear your opinions on it. He's very funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I love donkey, but yeah. I feel like the tides turned on him. It seems like a while ago he released a video that was like critical of gaming press. So I feel like... Yeah, a lot. I saw a lot of people on Twitter from the press just being like, "Oh, f this guy." But it's like he's funny. I like his videos. They're super well done. Yeah. Uh, and even his one that was critical of like the press in general. It's like, yeah, he has some solid points, right? Just talking about how samey everybody is and how frustrating it is for consumers that, you know, IGN can have eighty people on staff and some of them love Sonic games, some of them hate Sonic games. It's like, what is this voice? I don't understand this. It's it's complicated as a consumer to absorb yeah. all these thousands of opinions, right? Yeah, I, I I yeah, I didn't take a lot of offense at that. I just thought it was kind of yeah. an interesting point of view. I it's when Breath of the Wild was sort of picking up steam and like it was that it was I kind of was almost struggling to explain like why I loved it so much. Right. I actually would usually point to his video because it was just it's such a really good, funny example of like, look how many Weird stuff can happen, and how much weird stuff can happen in this yeah. game, you know. Uh, but yeah, I always, I, I haven't watched this Metal Gear one, but I, I consider myself yeah. a fan. The Metal Gear one is really fun, and like, it's just amazing because it starts out with him going like, "All right, let's do this," and then it's just what four minutes, five minutes, something like that, and he walks through basically all Metal Gear lore. No. <laughs> Off. I no. mean, <laughs> it's pretty thorough, and I love I Metal Gear. It this. is very impressive, and obviously, there's jokes along the way. There's shade thrown along the way for certain franchise or entries and stuff like that. But it's still like so far. Uh, no, actually, it's five. I think he's just oh really? really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, but it's it's oh, his, stunning. His video on five is very funny, actually. To yeah. go back even further, yeah. Uh, so it's 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 really fun to see because it's like okay, it's a story I know well, but then just hearing it in that abbreviated version, it's like oh wait, yeah, this is kind of dumb. Like I think there was a YouTube comment where somebody said something along the lines of like, well, I know I'm in trouble when he says a sentence. And then his sister was killed by a vampire, and I'm, I just <laughs> nodded along like, yeah, that's yeah, that's what happened, yeah. <laughs> It's legit. Oh, God. Um, let's see. Um, oh, CT Bishop. Um, when we did our Twitch Sings stream on Sunday, you can find the archive on um, Twitch if you're a masochist. Because I don't know if you know this, JV, but when you're singing a bunch of these songs, 
you can convince yourself, I think this sounds kind of good. And then when you have <laughs> objective proof on the mm. internet, you realize, oh, this was a disaster. <laughs> when I sang, I was with Wade and Kelsey, who are both angels, like just nailed it. But then every time I thought like that song wasn't so bad for me, then I went back and looked at it in the archive and it's brutal. But yeah. anyways, in that, uh, we closed out with You Oughta Know, of course, when Alanis Morissette. And I made the argument that I think it's the most like emotionally raw song I've ever heard in my life. And I love You Oughta Know, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this person writes in and says, Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley is more emotionally raw and more of an emotionally gripping song than that. Where it's like, no. says no. I mean, it's. It's up there. I get it, but it's no, you no, ought to know. No, because her song's so, like, personal. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It, in a way that even other songs, like, it just it feels like a laundry list of what this dude has done to her. Right, and it feels like it was written in real time. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Like, Listen, Hallelujah is good, but it's not right. something I would, it's not raw. Also, Jeff Buckley didn't write it, so you can't really. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. There's no, gen- there's no genuine anger. Right. Uh, yeah. Just, I, I feel like Hallelujah just gets used in a lot of movies and TV shows during sad parts. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which it's, makes us think of it as very emotional. I Leonard Cohen wrote it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I went to. Uh, I don't want to brag. I don't want to drop any names here. <laughs> All but right. Here we go. I went to church last Christmas. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Big cr- church guy over here. <laughs> uh. And uh, and I think it was like during like a candle lighting ceremony or something, and they sang like Hallelujah. Just like the chorus on loop, it's like, what are you guys doing? Just because it's like a religious word, like, hey, the rest of these lyrics are not holding up the way you think yeah, they're no. holding up here, folks. Don't no, do this. No, a bunch of churches in the South that I've been to have done that. Really? Where they just like, nope, this is not sexual at right. all. Right. <laughs> all right. Sex does not exist. <laughs> Jury's out. Uh, Christopher Reardon has a stunner. It says, what is your idol animation? My idol animation? Oh, yeah. like the Sonic thing of like tapping your boots, that, that <laughs> idol animation? Tapping your boots. In real life? In real life. Probably just this. Uh, this? this. Oh, sipping from your cup? Okay, mm-hmm. Jeff, I'm scratched, or uh, JB scratched his it, head. It was the same person, yeah. 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 I'm super fidgety, so it would probably be a lot of stuff. I'd be tapping my feet and spinning fidget Very spinners yeah. and stuff. Or yeah. can an idol animation be dropping your wife's name and talking about your daughter? Does that count as an animation? Mm, yeah, yeah. Just like speech bubbles? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Daughter, yeah. Wife, daughter. Mine would be probably checking Discord or YouTube Scrolling views on my phone. Here. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have Twitter on my phone. I'm not a maniac. Oh, Kyle. excuse me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I couldn't handle it mentally. Uh, two button crew. What's one area you're trying to quote get better in personally currently? Is there anything you want to do differently this holiday season? Maybe. Mm. I'm yeah. trying to be more considerate, more considerate towards people. That's about it. Okay, that's a very general thing. No, just like kinder to people and like showing up to do favors for people, helping out with things, helping people move. Uh, I had that happen. I was on the receiving end of that. Really? Yeah, Serial showed up to help us move and stuff. That is so sweet. Yeah, it was very nice of him. Uh, Serial is my idol, basically. Yeah. Did <laughs> That's you why him? I killed him. <laughs> and taken his place. his spot. <laughs> it wasn't very considerate, but yeah. I'm trying. That's understandable. Uh, okay, so how do you do that? You just Are you waiting for people to reach out to you, or are you texting people more and saying, hey, could I help you with this? Uh I don't know. I'm in the stage right now where I'm just being nice, trying to be nice to people and just checking in on them. It's like, how's your day? Or just being, you know, yeah. nicer. Saying F you to Elise on Slack all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's a <laughs> very, you know, that's that's just our relationship. Right. <laughs> I'll never understand it. I don't think we do either. It's okay. Yeah, I get it. That's confusing. Uh, yeah, I think it's, 
probably the same wheelhouse where this is a very specific, weird personal thing. But uh, I think it's just trying to be like be more loving as a term, you know. Love is the greatest strand of all, or whatever they say in Death Stranding. But like, you know, just a little moment that showed up to me the other day is I was cramming the outer worlds, desperate to try and catch up for the game just club discussion. The mouse as fast as oh my god, I was trying to fly through that. And and my girlfriend came over and uh, I was sitting on the couch playing it and I was kinda gave like, Hey, how's it going? How's your day? You know, she's like, Oh good. And then like uh walked into the kitchen or whatever and I just realized like, that's not very nice. Like I can I can stand to pause this. So I actually like said like to myself, like, okay, just be as sweet as you can be here because it feels good on both ends. So like paused it, went up and like gave her a big hug and said like, hey, it's good to see you. It's like, like those little things, like that's not in my DNA. Mm. And so like trying to course yeah. correct and a base level of humanity. You know? <laughs> uh, and Jeff, I'm, you're perfect. Are you going to work on your Japanese or? Jeff, I'm is perfect. He doesn't have to say anything. Yeah. Right. Great. Right. Uh, Bradley <laughs> Bellman says, give me your elevator pitch for the ideal game you'd want to make if time and money were not a concern. Mass Effect 2. <laughs> <laughs> they did it already. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. It's weird when you said your idol animation was just Mass Effect 2. <laughs> you mentioned that for every question here. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't have like a grand like personal fiction that I'm building in my head or anything. But I think of like franchises, like things that I like. Like I always think of like I, I love the world of Akira. I would mm-hmm. love a video game in the world of Akira. Open world. Yeah, I want to ride around as like a bike gang. Like not even necessarily be part of Canada's uh, Canada's crew, mm-hmm. but just like be in that world. Yeah. You know, and like that that vision of like that Blade Runnery sort of Neo Tokyo with like the big apocalypse, like just the next block over. Like, mm-hmm. So I would like to see that. I'd like. I've actually thought about that. I'd love to like pitch a game, get it made. Dream game would be like. A combination of maybe a Naughty Dog quality action adventure game meets Mafia Three that's just inspired by Bonnie and Clyde, mm. like a oh. Bonnie and Clyde game where it's not Bonnie and Clyde; it's like fictional characters, but that sort of thing of like, oh, we have two criminals in like the twenties or thirties. Yeah, co-op. Interesting. Oh, you might like Deathloop. That's basically the con- Bonnie oh, yeah. and Clyde story. Wait. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm wearing my Deathloop shirt under this. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, weird. Huh. <laughs> that shirt rules. What do you like about that setting? Uh, I just don't think you see it a lot in games, you know, at least like at not at that budget level. It's like the Godfather game or whatever, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to see more of that. Plus, I just think there's like interesting political stuff to sort of investigate during that, like Mm -hmm. racial tension and economic woes and whatever. So that's what I'd like to see. I heard the final boss is impossible in that game. Anyways, Andrew Valla says... (laughs) Never mind. Andrew Valla Andrew writes in, which is crazy because he wrote in with a separate prompt that answers Bradley Bellman's question mm. about his dream game. He says, I've always wanted to play a story-driven, open-world Sonic the Hedgehog game set in the 90s ABC cartoon universe. <laughs> JV noticed. Okay. That question started great and then hit me in the face. <laughs> Blasting through an open world and taking on stealth missions in the polluted underbe- underbelly of Robotropolis scratches an itch for me in a way... Of varied gameplay and story elements. It's admittedly a terrible Sonic the Hedgehog game, but hey, it can't be worse than Sonic Shuffle. That question is a journey. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole thing. Has there been an open world Sonic? Like, that seems like that had happened. It's at some had point. to happen at some point, right? They had a Shea lost world. Played it, right? Can we call Shay right now and ask him? No, <laughs> he's, he's, he's in, in London, London, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eric Christensen says Can we expect a Min Max Game Studios in the future? This is no. look. Th- <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things where it's like on the big list of like, oh, what could Min Max evolve into? Somewhere in the back of my mind is that would be fun 
to make games. To make a game. Just at make some, some dreams. Games and dreams. <laughs> Speaking of which, well, look, I mean, Dream Daddy. Like, look, Game Grumps made that. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not impossible, true. right, Jeff? All right. I didn't know that was on the not on the anytime list. soon. I mean, no, you, we're doing it next week. You'll have like Steve Martin white hair by the time we get <laughs> okay, around to okay. it. But yeah, um, let's see. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Will K has a game. He says, Ooh. "Behold, hosts a game, and here at Minmax we celebrate the games." He said, "Below are pairs of games." Hang on, Kyle. You yeah, can't look. I can't look. Let me see. Let me see. Let me not. Hang see. on, I can't look. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> Will K says, "Below are pairs of games. One the original, one the HD remaster or remake." The aim of the game is to try and guess which game has the higher Metacritic score. Mm-hmm. Isn't okay. this good? This yeah, is a yeah, good yeah. game. This is a very good game, Will. Uh, okay. First game. Do you want to go around the table? You'll do the first one. We'll sure, 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 sure. Divvy it up a little so it's not just a gangbang here. I'm sorry, a gang charge. Um, so God of War 3 versus God of War 3 oh, remastered okay. on the PS4. Oh, God of War 3 original release. Correct. That had a Metacritic score of 92. The re-release has 81. See, who likes review scores now? Look at this. Wouldn't be able to do this with your little blurb. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, G- or, uh, Jeffum. Uh, we two just swap seats. Jeffum. Jeffum. Resident Evil or Resident Evil HD remaster. Uh, so this is Resident Evil on the GameCube, I should point out, versus the remaster of the remake on PS4. Oh, gosh. Okay. The remaster of the remake on Did PS4. The GameCube version versus the PS4 Xbox One I'll version. do remake remaster. Incorrect. The GameCube version is at a 91, and the remake remaster is at 83. Will you stop it? All right. What are you talking to? I'm talking to people not getting this right. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I thought you were yelling at me for reading. I was like, I can't see your monitor. Kyle, Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1 or the Resident Evil 2 remake? I think the remake probably higher. Correct. That's at a 91, whereas the original is at an 89. Uh, myself, no. Okay, JV, you ready? Shadow of the Colossus on PS2 versus Shadow of the Colossus on PS4. PS4. Anybody else have a guess? I think it's two. I'll go two. You're all wrong. Uh, They're tied at 91. Oh, really? <laughs> Trick that's, question. That's like a blue point, right? Like that's yeah. like a mark of, like they should be proud of that. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy for sure. Uh, okay, Jeff, this is your jam. Metro 2033. Did you review that for Game Informer? Or just Last Light? Uh, one of them, I can't remember. I think it was 2033 Last Light. was the first one? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Metro 2033 on PC or Metro 2033 Redux? When did that come out? Poof. After Last Light? Or maybe right before Last Light? So within the 2012, 2014 yeah, window? T- yeah, 2012, 2014. Yeah. Ooh, or is it on current consoles? I forget. I'll do Redo. You'll do redo. I'll do redo. <laughs> Redux at 90. The original Metacritic's at 81. Mm. All right, Kyle. Oh, I'm so happy this worked out this way. Uh-oh. Wind Waker on GameCube versus Wind Waker on Wii U. GameCube. GameCube at 96. Wii U at 90. That's wild. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Here's a twist. JV, the final one. Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> Metacritic score averaged versus the Metroid Prime trilogy on the Wii, which contained all three. The trilogy Wii collection. Now and remember, the trilogy integrated motion controls. Yeah. You're sticking with that. I'm sticking with it. 
He's a lunatic, ladies He's and gentlemen. Insane. That's a 91 compared to the original average 93. Oh. Average score is a 93 for those That's games. Good. good. Okay. Remember our bet about Metroid Prime 4, Kyle? I do. Because I on the, your last episode of the show, it was brought up. Oh, I think I tweeted about it. Maybe that's where it was? Maybe, I don't know. Okay. But, but I, I still feel good about my side of that bet. Right? Which was, I bet that Metroid Prime 4 will not release on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. That they will not It'll get it out the door in time. The, whatever, the successor to Switch. You know? Right, the but Switch I, I think that we'll still be playing that game on Switch. Okay. Okay, buddy. <laughs> uh, there was one question I, I accidentally skipped, and I should go back to it because it's very good. Um, asking about... Deepest Dive, which, by the way, we just posted our second episode of the Deepest Dive on the Outer Worlds, which is mm. super fun, covering everything in that game from Monarch up until landing on Byzantium. So you can listen to the audio for that if you are a $5 supporter on Patreon and have the exclusive podcast feed where there's a lot of fun, exclusive stuff, including, like, you know, a weird interview with Wade Wojcik uh, mm. from Game Informer, which hey, is fun. Hey, Wade. Wade. Um but it's also on our YouTube channel. Anyways, Super Dax says, Hey guys, for this week's question, I decided to ask something related to MinMax itself. If you were given the opportunity to hold a deepest dive discussion after the launch of any game ever made, what game would you choose? Would you gauge people's reaction to Pong, see what people <laughs> thought of Mario 64, or travel to the future to discuss Final Fantasy 20? Vampire Bloodlines. Right when it uh, came out? Yeah, right yeah. when it came Ooh, out. Oh, that's a good one. Why? Just there's so many layers to it. and It is a game that richly rewards you if you stick with it, but you have to put up with so much horse right to get there. And I, I would be interested to see what people, to revisit what people thought about it in 2004 when it came out, especially when it had a host of like game-breaking glitches that just make Fallout 3 and like Skyrim's pale in comparison yeah yeah for sure it is fun like i think the value of having that deepest dive discussion is just for archival purposes only of just like hearing people trying to grapple with a very important game or a big shift in real time right and Mm -hmm. just not understanding even how to talk about it like this is very specific but and uh, you know my friend grant was just joking about this about doing a deepest dive on tetris Hmm. and like doing that right when tetris released let's just say like the game boy version right i think that'd be so fun to just hear people trying to talk about like oh it's this little puzzle game and just have no sense that no that gameplay is so good it will stand the test of time better than almost any video game ever another one for me because you made me think of handhelds would be persona 4 golden Mm. like just when that came out having people like a mainstream mainstreamish audience discover persona yeah i'd love to take part in that yeah conversation i uh honestly almost over anything though i think it'd be the pharmacy 7 remake Mm. of which there's no way we're not going to do just as a spoiler. <laughs> like I'm so excited to to dive into that thing. I I like the time capsule element of looking at Metal Gear Solid Two. Like right oh, when it came out. Oh, that's a great one. Because yeah. I think the way I remember that discussion, and maybe it was just like amongst my friends and stuff, I was like, oh, this story makes no sense. And I wonder mm. how widespread that was versus was I just you know a, a 13 year old idiot. Well, my my group was like, you don't even play a snake at a certain point, which I was like, that. Can't you guys are lying. Yeah. And then, like, later I heard uh, at school someone was like, yeah, I beat it over the weekend. And you fight, like, a, you fight, like, ten Metal Gears at the end. I'm like, that does not happen. You were uh-huh. so full of it, you know. Yeah. And I would, it would be fun to, like, listen back to that conversation of people's reaction of Snake's role in the yeah. game and stuff like that. Yeah. For sure. So. 
mine would have to be an alternate future where Half-Life 3 actually gets made. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. yeah, which timeline is that again? Is that the good timeline that we're not in? Yeah. Okay. Oh, That's the impossible timeline. That's the Death Stranding timeline. <laughs> yeah. Half-Life 3 released and the All world right. exploded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone really liked Monster. <laughs> Do you guys think with Death Stranding, I know that it's almost overly simplistic to connect these dots of just the idea of it being about life and death and babies and babies being torn away and all this stuff the same time as PT. Oh no, but I was going specifically just with, you know, Kojima and Metal Gear and Kojima and Konami and all that falling out and stuff. Do you think it is as literal as that, that he wouldn't have made a game dealing with life and death if he didn't have such a big shift in his own life? Do you think it's as clear as that? Hmm. With him? Probably. Do you think? Like with just how like, I mean, I love Kojima's games and I like a lot of his storytelling, but subtlety is not his thing. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, right. but like, yeah, I, I think it could possibly very well be as clear cut as that. No, I don't want to get political here. But how different do you honestly think Death Stranding would be if Hillary Clinton was elected in 2016? No idea. Probably way different. Because there, like in interviews, he keeps referencing like, well, you know, got to unite America. What with Trump and stuff, it's kind of touching on some of those themes and Brexit and stuff. Right, right. I think it would be different. Who God knows what it would look like, but I think, yeah, he probably would have a different state of mind. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He would have played as a BT. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is that a political statement? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, okay, you ready for this segment, Jamie? It's time for get a load of this. What's that? <laughs> All right, uh, hopefully something stuck with you this week and you remembered exactly what it was and you can share it with the group now. But I won't make you start, just so you understand the format. Uh, Jeffem, you want to kick this sucker off? Hey, get a load of this, guys! <laughs> this is what I was told I had to say at the beginning of this. Uh, this was a Twitter thread that I found very funny. Yeah. And I don't... I don't People may enjoy this the topic that I'm going to go into. I don't we're not poking, we're just having Uh-oh. a little fun. We're oh not Lord. being insulting or anything Here like that. Comes. But some some person Keeler. <laughs> one person posed the question, what's the dude equivalent of being into astrology? Uh, to which Jessica Huseman, who's a pro publica journalist, yeah. replied, being really into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That's good. And she got a ton of responses to that, oh, uh, which is always fun. Yes, Patreon. No, I said hatred. Hatred, yes. <laughs> what did you say? Yeah. Yes, we're, not, we're not constantly I, plugging I, the Patreon. Yes. I mean, I feel like I we're being pretty I just agree to whatever you say. Uh, <laughs> her first reply was, it seems I seem to have bothered some fans of Bitcoin. Bitcoin, which honestly is hilarious. Good, she's taking it seriously. Someone someone replied, I'm not into Bitcoin, but it's at least a real thing. To which she replied, I mean, is it though? <laughs> and she replied again. He hadn't learned his lesson. If you can cash it out, then yes. And then someone else replied, astrology can also be exchanged for money. To which he didn't have a reply to that. Wait, how does that work? How is astrology exchanged for money? People make money off of astrology, right? <laughs> what, like books? I guess. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, oh, it's still going. Yes. There there were a bunch of replies. <laughs> okay, so they right, were right. all very funny to me. Uh, one person said, Moronic statement. Bitcoin's properties can be verified by every single individual, and its percentage growth in the last decade speaks for itself. <laughs> to which someone replied, that's exactly what a Virgo would say. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
There were a lot of okay boomer responses to people complaining. Let's see. Someone said, typical ETH, I'm a BTC, so I don't think we're a very good fit. <laughs> I think those are two Bitcoins. Yes, <laughs> two Bitcoins. Uh, let's see. Someone said, oh, I one very understated comment was just someone saying, you summoned them <laughs> to, <laughs> to all these replies. Um, and then one person... One of the replies that I enjoyed was someone said, Bitcoin is freedom and people tend to get passionate about freedom <laughs> because she just didn't understand, which surely proves her point. Again, like, I'm fine if you're a Bitcoin person, yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, the original comment struck me as the perfect answer to that. And then the replies just kind of reinforced That's amazing. It. It's very That's funny. so fun. Yes. Oh, the Internet's a delight, yes. isn't it? <laughs> oh, thank God for the Discord over at MinMax. Speaking of, yes, you can donate through Bitcoin now. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. We only accept Bitcoin to fund this Patreon moving into the future. Uh, okay, uh, that seems like a bad choice. <laughs> Cold Kyle, what do you get? Oh, um, I had... Two that are pretty Great. quick. Great. One's a little self-serving, Don't but think I understand the point. Interesting. I, I didn't get to do one last week. That is oh, true. that's he true. Left. Yeah, okay. All right. I take it back. So this one is quick. It's uh, it was the Halo Twitter account tweeted um that uh, it's it's loading here. Sorry, but they basically said like, hey, oh, okay, 15, get a load of this. Fifteen years ago, we gave the Covenant back their bomb. Happy birthday, Halo Two! And they have a video of that 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 cutscene in Halo Two where he gets uh -huh. the bombing. But it's the cutscene from the Master Chief collection. That's embarrassing. Which is just like that's not even fair. Yeah, because like, people dumb. are gonna click on this and be like, "Whoa, that's what that game looked like 15 <laughs> right, years ago." Right. So that bummed me out. That is dumb. Um, hey, when are that? When's that game coming out on PC? When are those Halo games oh, coming out on uh, PC? I don't know. Soonish. Yeah. yeah, I feel like people are coming back around on that game by, uh, now. By the way, like people were so harsh on it when it came out. Master Chief collection. Yeah, when because the the online wasn't great, admittedly, but like that's a great like sort of package of all yeah, the Halo stuff for sure. And then also. Um, uh, Victor Leon uh, shared a bunch of screenshots of like an unused Halo 2 map, which oh, was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then my other one, like I said, this one's a little self-serving because it involves me. But Kyle, you still haven't said get a load of this. Though. Oh, get a load of that. <laughs> uh -huh. And now get a load of this one. Uh, so I tweeted that um, Iconoclast is on sale, which is a great game. JV, you love that game. You should play it. Okay. And then um, David F. Sandberg took my tweet and tweeted it out. And I was like, who's this guy? He's verified. He's the director of Shazam. What? So he so he tweeted out my tweet and I was like, oh, that's weird. And he said, only eleven ninety nine for a great game made by one of the top three Sandberg brothers. And I was like, oh, because the director of Iconoclast is Joachim Sandberg. They have the same last name, which is how I read that tweet. I was like, oh, he's making a joke that they yeah. share the same last name. But I looked up David F. Sandberg on IMDb and looked at his trivia. They're brothers. That's so bizarre. So the director of Shazam is brothers with the guy that made Iconoclasts. What a powerhouse family. <laughs> So I I thought that was weird and interesting. Yeah. Uh -oh. Now Shazam was he the Flash? I've been meaning to ask you because I always get <laughs> nah. those confused. Uh, no, he's he wear no they both wear red, don't they? <laughs> red and a lightning bolt. <laughs> You're screwed. <laughs> You're Kyle. screwed. No. no. <laughs> uh, hey everybody, get a load of this. Oh. Uh, I recently watched uh, Wind Rises for Miyazaki. Congratulations. It, it, blew my heart and my mind. Uh, it was amazing. Jeff, I'm quit smirking. Um, <laughs> but that caused me to remember... Oh, real quick, Serial borrowed that movie, <clears throat> so I yeah. think that's why he's not here. I think he's just struggling. Crying at home. <laughs> um, but anyways, it reminded me of like... Because uh, there's a scene in there with the Tokyo Fire, Tokyo Earthquake, 
Um, and it reminded me of like, oh, I remember that the rise of ramen in Japan was connected to that. Because we went to the ramen museum on the Dragon Ball Fighters cover story trip. Is that right? Yeah. Because um, I remember reading about that. And it was really interesting about somehow that was all connected. So I went back into that era of Japanese history to try and find that history of ramen and found this little nugget. It's just a little one sentence thing that it, you can really get hung up on, which is, did you know that meat was banned in Japan for a while, JV? I actually did. Do you know how long it was banned? No. You could not eat meat in Japan for 1,200 years up until 1872. Isn't that obs- 1,200 years? I mean, I guess if you grow up in that, you're not going to, like, you wouldn't know. Right. right? I mean, for generations and generations. It's so wild. Learning that on that trip actually made me, like, like it actually it made me think about the idea of being a vegetarian a lot more. Like uh-huh. I'm trying to eat less and less meat. I'm I'm not anywhere near that, but it's like yeah. it's a, it's it's silly that I find it difficult after learning that, you know, to like eat less meat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a matter of society, of course. Sure. But sure. apparently it was like, you know, they would have it for medicinal purposes. People would still eat meat every once in a while, but even to the point um that they considered like drinking milk from a cow like that was just seen culturally during that era of just like that's like the equivalent of like drinking blood. Like what the hell? Mm. And that's why like you know dairy, it's still on the upswing in Japan. But like there's not a lot of super cheesy dishes over there in Japan. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. Jeff. I'm, uh, since you lived there for a little while. Um, but apparently also if you ate beef during that era, the penalty was you had to do you had to fast for 100 days. So it's a real deal. It's very bizarre. Also uh, in this, days. yeah, that's also, starving to death, yeah. right? <laughs> well, feasible? I guess probably you just eat you know, a grain of rice or something. Some sort of fasting, yeah. you know, okay, in, okay. in some in some form. But in this article that I was reading about this, also they were talking about hunting wild boar, uh, and apparently wild boar in Japanese translates to mountain whale. <laughs> I like the idea of connecting right. whales and boars. That's a little overstated. <laughs> but... No, they're huge. Trust me, man. This thing was huge. Have you seen Bridges when I know? Yeah. Okay, they're huge. Uh, JV, what do you got, man? Well, there was a PlayStation 4 Pro trailer mm-hmm. that went up over, I think, last... No, it was this week, right? Wasn't yeah. it? What's, what's it the, called? I'm going to see if there... What's the best way to direct people to it? Let's see. It's, uh, it also, is astounding. So it's also, called the Feel the Power of Pro, and it's on the PlayStation Europe account, yeah. YouTube account for sure. Yeah, so Kyle and I were, were on the... Kyle, you, you summarize it. What is this trailer? How okay, does it yeah, start? Yeah. Okay, so it's it starts with like... Uh, you, have all of us seen it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it starts with like uh, a city. It looks like post-apocalyptic. It's been flooded. Mm-hmm. and then But then the, wa- the floodwaters are kind of like receding. Mm-hmm. slowly and it's like it's all these pretty shots of like inside buildings and outside of buildings and like the sort of damage being undone is what yeah that's the dead island trailer thing yeah. of like falling backwards and i thought i thought i was like oh this is like a death stranding trailer like kind of showing maybe the there were like the death stranding as it happened like this is kind of cool and then it like it keeps going and going and then the twist at the end of this video is it's a person. Are they playing Death Stranding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're mm-hmm. playing Death Stranding, coddling BB. Yeah, it's the it's the scene with Norman Reedus yeah, just, coddling BB. And, and the, the premise of the trailer is all the, the water that has enveloped the city came from this dude crying playing <laughs> Death Stranding. <laughs> it's like all the water is like receding into his face. It's the first time he's felt human emotion, guys. <laughs> it's just like. 
was, it is without a doubt uh, one of the worst trailers. It, is, it looks I've good. It looks seen. great. I just like I, I no, I was, but that crushing disappointment at the end of like oh yeah, this is because it's really pretty right. up to that point. You're like oh this is interesting, and then you're like what? <laughs> like what is and, this? And also the title of like Behold the Power of the PS4. <laughs> like that made me when it started. It made me think that it was like some kind of tech demo right. because yeah. all, all the under you know underwater scenes are you know all done with CG or stuff. So I'm like oh are they processing? Like, is this going to be there's the little ducks power? floating on the top and yeah. all these things? And then, <laughs> as it was going on, it's like, no, some of this is just live action. And then it's, oh, okay, I guess Death Stranding is going to make you cry <laughs> because Norman Reedus has a baby now. There's this great bit, and I think it's this season of Bojack Horseman or the last season where there's this, like, in, in that universe, there's this acclaimed indie director who's being forced to do like ads. Mm. Uh, because her career is taking a downswing. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just like her clearly trying to make a heartfelt indie movie and at the end, like a 10-minute like indie movie, and then they slap an ad at the end, <laughs> and it's just straight up like this. It's just, <laughs> it's just this joke. It's that joke, but I just, in real life. I wish there was a voiceover at the end that it was like, Death Stranding will make you cry so much you'll flood a city. <laughs> Drown your neighborhood. Oh, God, Good yeah. times. That's great. Uh, JV, thanks for coming by, man. Uh, you're welcome back whenever. Yeah. Just uh, but don't do come. that anymore. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, is there anything you would like to do in the future? Anything you'd like to jump on here and do? Just hang out with you guys again. Oh, Aww. that's so sweet, yeah, that's JV. Sweet. Yeah. And Serial. So that's right. Sure. Yeah. It's a shame you two can't be in the Wait, same room. Yeah. Didn't you Since kill him in the lore? We can of bring. Max? We can bring him back. It's with like the it, it's balls. like matter and antimatter. <laughs> oh, that's okay. right. Serial is basically right. your BT, right? Exactly. <laughs> you can't be in the same room. I right? leave this house. He's gonna come out of the ground. <laughs> mm, it's beautiful. All right. Thanks to, uh, to everybody for watching or listening to the MinMax Show. Uh, if you've made it this far. You must enjoy the content, so please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can get early access to the audio version of the MinMax show. And again, it's at patreon.com slash minmax2ends. Tell a friend if you like the show or you like the Patreon. We're pumping out content. We're proud of it. So hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Um, that's it for this week's episode. We'll be back. Let's see. What do we got? Maybe a, a couple, maybe a bonus thing coming up later in the week. But I need to assemble a lot of tech stuff in the studio. Thanks to everybody's supporters able to buy a PC and a bunch of other fun stuff. So I'll be I'll be putzing for Thursday and Friday. Putzing? Um, Putzin. That's right. That's a verb, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Putzin around heard the house. You putz around. Hey, putz around. Yeah, putz around. Putzin. Just kind of walk around. Don't yeah. know what you're doing. How, how do you? Are you guys, are, is this JB? a prank you're trying to? All three of you have conspired to pull on me. Yeah. That this how is a word. Of this JB doesn't know the word putzin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's your. Drink. What a putz. Anyways, thanks so much for watching and listening. Everybody really appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next week. Putzin. Uh, <laughs>